0: hello and welcome back to scream addicts getting hammered with hammer i'm jinx your co-host and i am here with fellow co-host paul farrell paul how's it going this week going good man good to be here Alright, so to listeners out there, Getting Hammered with Hammer is not a traditional Screamatics episode. Screamatics generally has on a single guest to choose a horror film they love, and I chat with them for about an hour. Getting Hammered finds myself and Paul playing drinking games while providing commentaries for Hammer films. We, Up until this point, we've done The Curse of Frankenstein, Horror of Dracula, The Revenge of Frankenstein, and this week we're doing The Mummy. It was my turn this week, so I chose The Drink of Choice, and I planned The Drinking Game, which will <laughs> which we'll talk about here in a few But uh, first, tell you what Like uh, like last week, let's maybe take 10 minutes let's, uh, let's have a drink Maybe chat about what we've seen this past week Actually, Paul, I'll tell you something yes. I didn't watch I'll tell you something I listened to Ooh. I listened to last week's episode Is what I did And I gotta tell you, I, I hope that the writers Of the final few seasons of Dexter Do not listen to this show Holy shit, you're known as a nice guy online Paul, what was that? Look, full, uh, full is great. Two thousand. Paul is pissed. Three thousand. <laughs> More like, holy shit! I, Dexter got under your skin.
1: There are there are a few things in this world uh, that sometimes irk me, and uh, when I've had a few drinks, as I had at the end of the previous episode, um, some of those things come to the surface, and uh, the filter goes down. And uh Dexter was a show I invested a lot of time and and into and I was I was disappointed with where it ended up. It <laughs> so, might make Michael C. Hall cry. I don't want to do that. I I don't hate Michael C. Hall. I just hate where that show ended up. But hey, you know what? That's just me. Um I, I just I don't know. It's one of the reasons that I find it hard to commit to a series because I just feel like they'll eventually disappoint me. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's cool. because most shows have for me, but, um, you know, I, that's not something you can normally expect to hear. I try to be positive, but, uh, last week. Oh, Hey, I say,
0: man, let, let's do the Jekyll and Hyde thing here. Let's just, you know, no filters. Let's just, let's just unleash when we need to, because I got to tell you, listening to that episode, man, I found out, I found out some things about myself like shit, man. Uh, so <laughs> let me see if I got this right. So apparently I don't much like myself. So that's a note. Um, <laughs> You know, it's funny that, like, like, honestly, like, sober Dr. Jekyll, totally fine with himself. It's yeah. rum drinking Mr. Hyde that has a few issues, apparently. Hot oh, damn. Sure. Um, but it is funny, though. Like, with the other show, the other Scream Addicts, I am always keen to have the editor, like, you know, trim up and tweak the audio so that myself and sometimes my guests, you know, we don't flub up so much. Or at least, you know, we appear not to. I don't go overboard. If I did, I'd ask Seth if he could edit out, like, every. Oh, God, a few dozen or so instances of me saying, you know, every episode. God, I hate that. <laughs> but uh, but no, with this show, like, I really just want him to, after listening to it, I wanted him to cut a few things. I wanted him to mute a few things, but I've decided against it. I think it's far more honest if we just leave it all as is. So, again, no filters, damn it, for uh, better or, or for worse.
1: <laughs> well, I think that's uh, part of the draw, right? I mean... It's getting hammered with hammer, and part of getting hammered is uh, opening up a little bit and and revealing a bit of yourself. So hopefully our listeners uh, enjoy that and get to know us a little bit more. I swear to
0: you, hand on heart, right now as we're talking, Netflix is playing in the background, and it's doing the, hey, I've been left alone for too long, so I'm going to show you slides of the various shows we have to offer. Uh, As I introduced this, it's now on Winona Earp, but as you were talking, it was Dexter. Oh my god. I kid you not. I kid you not. Michael C. Hall looked a bit upset. I'm just throwing that out there.
1: Well, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe write a better final season. I
0: don't
1: know. Not, <gasps> All right. On, so on me, Paul, but...
0: you've had a week. What uh? What have you watched?
1: Um, I took it a little bit easier this week. Uh, uh I watched Final Exam from nineteen eighty one. Have you ever seen that movie?
0: Uh, I've not seen it. I've heard of it.
1: Yeah, it's it's a slasher um, that kind of came out in the wake of, you know, Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth. It was kind of in that <clears throat> in that rush, and it's just it's it's a really fun uh, college campus sort of slasher. Um, really memorable characters. It's it's got like quirky sort of teen comedy, but it also takes itself really seriously. Um, it deals a lot with like toxic masculinity at a time when that was more of a trope rather than something that was being deconstructed. Um, So I really like it. And it's got an incredibly memorable uh, character in it named Radish. (laughs) His name is is Radish. And he's kind of like the weird, quirky, target character that sort of figures out that murders are happening. And he's kind of nerdy. And he's just a really fun sort of conduit to experience the movie through. So... Uh, yeah, final exam. It's a really, you know, I, I always believe that slasher movies are kind of for the summer. Um, so if you're kind of finishing out the summer and looking for a slasher to do it with, final exam is a great way to do it.
0: Rock on. I, uh, I don't know. Maybe this is a bit of a cheat, but uh, I didn't get to watch a whole hell of a lot this past week. But I did revisit Bone Tomahawk for the uh, the other version of this podcast. Uh, Damien Maffei chose it to uh, chat about. So it was nice going back to revisit it uh you know there's still some questionable dodgy things in that movie but overall it really really works i think the movie is just brutal as hell um yeah and for anyone who's seen that movie out there like i just thinking about the act of brutality near the end of the film is enough to drive one to drink so i'm glad that i i have some on hand here but um (laughs) yeah so there's that and uh I don't know. I, I saw a trailer for an upcoming horror movie called The Batman, which looks really good. Looks very seven-ish. Looks, yeah. looks unrelentingly dark and brooding. You know, it's almost like DC listened to all of the, uh, you know, sort of the, <laughs> the, the, the the controversy that arose. Excuse me, I'm getting choked up here. It's <clears throat> emotional. Exactly. Talking about Batman movies is a very emotional conversation. I it can be, depending on the movie. <laughs> Um, but, you know, it's like DC listened to all of the criticism surrounding how dark and brooding their movies had gotten and, you know, how kids couldn't watch what are essentially superhero character movies. And it's like they doubled down and they were like, you know what, let's let's just go ahead and terrorize terrorize the little bastards into (laughs) Gatatonia is what that movie looks like. Oh, my God. Have you seen the trailer?
1: I saw the trailer. Yeah. (laughs) And I agree. It's it, it's definitely a doubling down of the seriousness. Um, I, I mean, I think they're trying to continue to differentiate themselves from the competition um, by getting what they you know what they feel is like auteur directors making their version to me though you know all this talk of like it being oh it's you know they're doing a noir I'm like well you know Burton did that that's the the 89 (laughs) Batman was a noir it's not like we've never gotten a noir Batman before we're we're making this one gritty right yeah no it's it's definitely different than that but it's it's a logical (laughs) extension of it you know what I mean so I it, it doesn't feel maybe as like altogether new for me as I think Maybe it does for some people, but having said that, I am excited to see what the director brings to the table because I liked what he did with the planet of the apes movies. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see his vision and I like, uh, Pattinson in, in the role. I think that's a cool casting choice. So
0: yeah, I don't... I'm
1: looking forward <clears throat> to that.
0: I really am joking here. My God. Yeah. all right. Um, yeah, I think I'm fine. Okay. If... That's good. <clears throat> I'll just keep drinking. It'll be fun. Yeah. Um, no, it does look good, though. Uh, honestly, all of the DC fandom stuff was a lot of fun. That was a really neat thing for them to do, to have kind of like that online virtual convention and have all these big premieres that we would normally yeah. expect out of Hall H at, you know, SDCC. Um, I did have a funny interaction on Twitter where I got blocked by a dude who called me a Snyder bro. Uh, Paul? You're such a bro. <laughs> So here, here's here's the thing. I don't know if anybody noticed this. This is a horror podcast, so of course I'm going right. to talk about Batman versus Superman for a moment. How we do? Uh, but no, actually, Justice League. Apparently, the Snyder Cut's coming out. Some critic viewed a leaked copy of the trailer and threw some snark out about it. And Zack Snyder quote tweeted him, and you know, basically like uh, swatted him on the nose for it. And it was kind of yeah, it was a little petty. It was a little childish, but. I couldn't help but find a little humor in it, in the fact that, you know, it wasn't just any critic. This guy has a massive following and he viewed a leaked trailer and he was kind of pissing on the movie based on an illegal copy on the same day that was meant to be a celebration, you know. And so I couldn't help but smile a little bit at because, you know, I, I think there's this feeling online with some people that they can snark away with impunity, you know. And so I couldn't help but smile at a director sort of stepping in and actually, you know. Trying to put somebody in their place. Now, I preface that by saying, okay, what he said was dumb or whatever. But somebody jumps in and is just like, clearly you're a Snyder bro and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, Wait, that's, what, that's what you got out of this? That I'm a Snyder bro? Yeah. Next thing I knew, blocked. And I was just like, how? It, it, there's, it's weird to me that fandom has almost become like politics in Washington where everything is so divisive and it has to be black or white. And it has to be my side, your side, and blood in the middle. And I don't know, like, the horror community doesn't quite seem like that, but it seems like there are times when we kind of go that route. I don't know. Or do you think I'm crazy for that?
1: No, I, I, I think you're right. And I I think that's part of the issue with these conversations is a lot of people are quick to uh, judge comments they see online and view them in the most extreme way possible right like and and assume whatever male intent that they're going to assume on it and project you know whatever past issues they've had online with other trolls or other people so then anytime you know you sort of fit that general bill that's where that immediate block thing comes in that to me it says more about them and their past experiences and maybe how they've been burned before and then they they take that on and out on you and then they become sort of in some ways the villain that they're trying to fight against, but they don't realize it. Um, and I think that's pro- part of the problem with online discourse right now is we've gotten to a point where a lot of people, unfortunately have just learned to immediately hit the block or mute button, as opposed to actually engaging in the discourse that we're supposed to be having by way of social media. Um, and it's honestly, whether this is good or bad, one of the reasons I don't often engage like in something I disagree with, like I typically just kind of avoid it (laughs) because I, I, unless it's somebody I know really well and feel like I can approach in a manner that won't immediately have them writing me off. um, I just feel like I won't get anywhere. And I know that's not the right way to go about it because otherwise nothing's ever going to, change and we again can't have a conversation then um but yeah it's sad to me that someone would immediately jump to that because once you do you open up that door and then you start fighting about something other than what you originally were trying to talk about you know you're fighting about sort of the rift that's been caused by your comment rather than the comment itself you know you mentioned muting and it occurs
0: to me like i'm not saying i haven't blocked anybody i surely have you know when you get Mm -hmm. attacked by like Oh, any number of MAGA folk for bashing Trump. It's just, you know, I I can't hit the block button fast enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But when it comes to, you know, and somebody on Twitter recently had noted that they had muted like a number of their followers and that they had followed back. Like they didn't dare unfollow because they didn't want the, uh, I don't know, to deal with the fallout, I guess. But so they just had them muted. And I'm just kind of like, I'm not saying I haven't muted anybody But the idea of just muting, like, large swaths of people strikes me as being like, I don't know, like, why even even be on there if that's your approach? Like, it it just strikes me as cowardly. And the whole Twitter thing where now you can post a tweet and not allow replies to it, I get why that's a thing. And I do think it'll help in some cases, talking about some. But, like, if you... (laughs) But if you're attacking somebody directly and then you can also shut off the replies or whatever, then you kind of open yourself up to like the quote tweeting or snapshotting or any number of other things when you could simply just talk, you know. And so I, I don't know. If people are being like ridiculously abusive, then I get it. But at the same time, like if you're just wanting to like throw some snark somebody's way, but then you refuse to engage beyond that, then again, it strikes me as being a little, uh, a little cowardly.
1: Yeah.
0: It sounds like you're riding off on a motorcycle. Paul, I'm sorry. Look, if you've muted a lot of people, it's fine. I'm trying not to pass judgment.
1: (laughs) No, there was a, my dog just like jumped in front of my microphone. I had to move out of the way really quick. Give him a (laughs) drink. I will. Uh, No, I I hear you. I, I, you know, I think for me, the way I use Twitter is if I like somebody and I'm interested in what they have to say, I follow them. And that's that. If I don't, like what they have to say i will unfollow them or not follow them i think that's just my rule of thumb so i think you know the the site itself is set up for that so you know the idea of uh, muting someone as opposed to unfollowing them i think it just, and uh, man welcome to twitter talk everybody uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, this will be our new podcast uh, where we uh, d- no um no i mean i think that it's sad that that we have to overthink these things um because so much there's so many social politics wrapped up in who follows who and whatnot and 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 muting is a way like you said to sort of block out things without having to deal with the uh i guess emotional ramifications of someone being offended or something along those lines um but I think maybe the better perspective to have would if you were unfollowed would be, oh, well, then I'm just not offering that person something that they would see value in. So either a OK, cool, they've moved on or b, maybe I want to rethink what I put out there, you know, as opposed to being upset at them. I don't know. I, I, I always challenge people to look maybe internally and try to rethink what is they're doing? Or it sounds like you're like, approaching oh. it like cool headedly, like a relationship. <laughs> I, I try. I, you know, I, why not try to, you know, better better the world in in some ways. I don't know, but <laughs> I, I I try to see the I try to find the silver lining. I guess is my thought, but I know sometimes it's not there. Like forget the, it, all its Twitter, like now. the end of Dexter. Um, but you know, I just took a sip of this rummy Mummy. What do you think it's, of it? Uh, it's not bad. It's it's very, so I'm going to be honest, this is a very strong drink for me. <laughs> I'm, as somebody who, like, is sort of new into the world of hard alcohol, thanks to Jinx and this podcast, um, this one I'm a little nervous about.
0: <laughs> oh, that's okay, Paul. I tailored the drinking game so that at a certain point you're not even going to care how many more drinks you have left to take so and that being said do you uh do you have any other watches you want to talk about or shall we dive into the
1: game i think we could probably dive in i do want to mention one thing super super quick uh sure. i rewatched halloween h2o uh because i always sort of conclude my summer which for me the conclusion of summer is the end of august moving into september that's when halloween month starts and I always conclude my summer with H two O because I feel like even though it's a Halloween movie, it's also a summer movie. Which I know it doesn't make sense in the context of the plot, because it like isn't a summer movie, but it just feels like one. I don't know. It was
0: released in the summer. So. Yeah, yeah,
1: and I and it was also the first um, Halloween movie I saw ever. It was a, I saw it in a theater, so it was the first one I saw it in a theater. Um, you know, and I watched that movie with no context, so I went into that theater as a however old I was like. 14-year-old or whatever and like didn't know the backstory didn't know who Laurie Strode was <laughs> like I just saw that movie as it was and I was still really like pretty riveted by her character arc um, and watching it now especially in the wake of Halloween 2018 um, that movie really grows in my estimation every year um, and I just I, I think it's a great movie to watch right now um, and a really great showcase as to how how good of an actor Jamie Lee Curtis is and how she's really carried that character. She got a lot of credit for Halloween 2018. and It was well-deserved. But I think a lot of what Halloween 2018 did w- was sort of owed to what H2O, H2O did. Agreed. Um And in some ways, I kind of wish they had called the new one H4O because it literally <laughs> could have been that. But um <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, Halloween H2O, fun movie, good stuff.
0: I love that film. I think it's always been great and it pisses me off to hear people sort of talk down on it a bit. Like there it blows my mind. Like I remember in the nineties, people always loved Halloween two. Mm-hmm. Uh, There was this discussion at Halloween 3 that people had hated it once upon a time, but it was a Black Sheep, and it's actually a good movie. And it's funny because in 25 years, that conversation hasn't changed. It's like everyone talks about that movie like it's always been hated, but we're just now coming around on it. Let me tell you, we've been coming around on Halloween 3 for two and a half decades now. So it's just at at a certain point, people are just going to accept that like, hey, no, Halloween 3, it's a good movie, full stop. Doesn't need to be any further discussion, but Halloween H20, when it came out, everyone... I remember on, you know, the various bulletin boards I was on back in the days, like, everyone loved that movie. So it's a shock to me on Twitter to see people kind of pissing on Halloween 2 and Halloween H20, Uh, which I don't know. I'm a sucker for that franchise anyway. The only movie that I really dislike is Resurrection, and the rest I uh, kind of adore, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I, I have my own viewing ritual where I start out October by starting with the Carpenter movie and just working my way through. So I'm looking forward nice. to checking out H2O again. Cannot wait. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll, I'll just marathon everything up all the way until like Halloween 2018 and then I'll pop off to theaters to watch Halloween Kills.
1: Sounds good. Right.
0: right? I'm very I'm excited for that. I don't think that's what's going to happen this year. Damn it. Not not this year. You can wait one more year and we got it. Only another whole year. <laughs> That's it. All right, gang. So at this point, we are going to go ahead and start the movie and the drinking game. Now, if you want to play along, you can check out uh, our Twitter page. You can check out the notes. And I will give the uh, ingredients for what a rummy mummy is. But I can go ahead and speak them aloud here, too. What you will need are two and three quarters cups of coconut flavored rum. I'm going with Bacardi. I believe Paul has is Captain Morgan. Captain Morgan was what I found. Yes. All right, now we add to that three-quarters a cup of vanilla-flavored vodka. I went with Smirnoff. We add to that three-quarters a cup of hazelnut-flavored liqueur. I'm using Frangelico. You want to throw that into a blender along with a handful of ice, and then you top it off with, I kid you not, six cups of half-and-half or milk. You blend it into a frothy foam, you pour yourself a drink, and you brace yourself. Because if last week taught me anything, it's that uh, rum, rum sneaks up on you. You don't think rum yeah. is doing a damn thing to you. You can drink rum for an hour and think, oh, this is weak. And then then rum comes back around on you. Let me tell it you. Sneaks up. Oh, my God.
1: So <laughs> you listen to last week's episode. <laughs> yeah,
0: you, they know. They know, Paul. I was I, I exited the game for about six minutes while you were raging about Dexter.
1: I'm and I was sorry. Just, I was angry. I was I drinking water. I was, I was
0: expressing
1: like going, my emotional opinions.
0: Anything I could do to keep from, like, hurling. I was like, is this it? Is this a drink that finally gets me after all these years? But, uh, okay, so our drinking game. We are watching 1959's The Mummy. And uh, (laughs) scared. the the drinking game is going to be simple. It's only four things, uh, three of which are going to last throughout the bulk of the movie. Okay, so I am texting Paul now. Folks, you are going to want to take a healthy drink anytime somebody says the name, karnak you're gonna want to drink anytime somebody says the word mummy okay. now here's here now you would think that mummy would be the killer in the movie called the mummy no you sir think. no 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 because the third one is drink anytime somebody says the name Ananka, okay. yeah uh you 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 guys don't even know. Now, just to get yeah. us started off at first, uh there's, there's a lack of uh mummy karnak and in the first little bit. So what we're going to do, just for the first like 15 or 20 minutes, we're going to take a drink anytime somebody refers to John's leg. Oh. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's I can that's see Peter that. Cushing folks. So uh so yeah, here's what we do. John's leg Karnak mummy Ananka, Godspeed yeah. all of you. So, let's go ahead nice and queue up our movie. Now, I believe Paul and I are using the same Blu-ray, the Warner Brothers release from a couple of years ago. We are going to go ahead and queue it up to the very first frame, and I'll do a countdown at which point we will press play. Okay, my Blu-ray player is booting up here. Okay, this is really boring. Oh, God, dead air. Mine's dead already air ready.
1: So is it really? I was I was prepared. I'm just... <sighs> Just throwing that out there. That's not nice. I'm just, All I'm
0: right. Sorry. If you're already ready, you you can go ahead and entertain the audience. Go on. Go on. Take so, it, um
1: Yeah. Take that. Uh, I could I talk about Dexter? No. Okay. <laughs> Never again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> season one's really good. I'm excited to watch this movie. This is a, a fairly new watch for me. Um, the other movies that we've done so far, I've seen many times. Ta- well, many, but multiple times in the past. This was a... Uh, this was a first-time watch, um, so this is kind of new in my brain compared to some of the other ones, and uh, it, was, it was interesting to kind of see a – it's always interesting to see a new movie with actors, you know, that you've seen in a million other movies, and a new Terrence Fisher joint, <clears throat> and, and having it be so stylistically different from Frankenstein and Dracula – Because those two sort of share some DNA, you know, the sets kind of resemble one another in certain ways, obviously, because some of them were exactly the same. Um, This was sort of a a different kind of uh, setting entirely, and it was kind of exciting to watch that. All right, so we are on the first frame. You should
0: just start to be able to see the silver Warner Brothers logo peeking through. And let's all press play in five, four, three, two, one, play. And away we go. All silver right, Warner. so I'm uh, I'm pretty excited about this rewatch. I got to tell you, I mean, I just rewatched the movie yesterday. Sure, but there wasn't booze involved. One, but two. Yesterday was the first time I'd ever seen this movie. As a huge Hammer fan, it was the first time I'd watched the movie and really appreciated it because I had always kind of found The Mummy to be a little dull. As a matter of fact, I'm not a big fan of many money eh, money, listen to me, I have not had that much to drink yet, this is inexcusable. Not that big of a fan of, you know, some Mummy movies. I think the Universal movie is beautiful, and I love the design of the makeup, and Karloff looks great and is great in it, but yeah, it's not my favorite Universal film, you know? And same thing with this one. I'd always, you know, remembered it as being handsomely mounted and, you know, decently well-made and performed, of course, given who's involved. But there was something about it that kind of kept me at arm's length. And then I watched it again yesterday after years of having not seen it. And I still have some issues with it. But by God, overall, I will say, like, it it kind of won me over this time. How about you? What was, uh, what was your experience
1: with the movie? Yeah, like I said, um, the other day was my first time ever seeing it. Um, and I'm kind of the same way the, um, uh, the mummy, the original mummy, the universal movie is one of my least favorite, uh, of the universal classic monster movies. Um, I always found it really boring. Um, no offense to people who like it. Uh, it, just wasn't my cup of tea. Um, but this one I found pretty interesting. I liked, I thought it was fairly dynamic. I thought they did a really good job with the monster itself. Um, the makeup's cool. Um, it, it feels like a different kind of movie than what hammer had done before this, which I thought was kind of interesting, like the, the scope and scale of sort of creating an Egyptian landscape. I thought they did like a cool job with, so it definitely felt different and unique amongst the other hammer movies I've seen. Um, so yeah, it was, I had a lot of fun with it. So gun to your
0: head, do you go with the Karloff movie or the Tom Cruise mummy?
1: Uh, I haven't seen the Tom Cruise one, to be it's honest. I, I didn't watch it. Yeah, I. I, I so it's fun not terrible. Like it's, it's fun. It's one of those movies that because um, I buy a lot of movies, and I'm one of those guys who like buy a movie when it's cheap and leave it unopened on my shelf. So I have the Tom Cruise Mummy unopened on my shelf. I just haven't ever put it in because everyone kind of scared me off of it.
0: <laughs> it's not. It's not at all terrible. It has its problems, but it's a fun hour and forty-five minutes. Like it's. It's. You know, if you've had a few drinks, if you've just watched a mummy movie and podcasted about it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world
1: to. Uh... Oh, they just mentioned oh. John's God oh, Damn it. My favorite mummy movie is. Uh... Frasier, that's my go to mummy. Wait, which one? The Br- Brendan Fraser one. You know, oh, the yeah, mummy.
0: Yeah. No, those, I <laughs> where he's, those like, uh, he's like,
1: he's like Indiana oh, Jones on. kind of guy. Okay, you just Love said Karnak. Man. Oh my God, this is too much already. I, I can't um, handle this, liquor. Paul,
0: wait till you get to wait till you get to Ananka. Like my God. Good board. Um, now, what's interesting about this you know, movie? I thing... did say. So... Oh. oh, go ahead. Oh, we, uh, should we we should flip the coin. I feel. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, what were you going to talk about? We might be talking about the same. Oh, he just mentioned his leg.
1: Uh, Whoever's done with their gonna
0: dive in. Okay, so interesting thing about this movie. Hammer was unable to directly remake the Universal Dracula and Frankenstein movies because they didn't really have a deal in place. But what I read was that this was apparently the first movie where they actually struck a deal with Universal International, so they could actually draw from... He just said Ananka.
1: I can't even keep up.
0: Holy (laughs) shit. All right. It's going to be bad, Paul. Um, So... (laughs) (laughs)
1: this is gonna be real bad (laughs) sorry he was saying important things about the movie this is a commentary continue
0: please he just said anaka again oh god i can't yeah is is that it's gonna be bad okay so (laughs) where was i Um, Yeah. So this was the first movie where they actually had put in place a deal with Universal International and they could start drawing from their classic monster movies. So they had the option of just directly remaking the original Mummy movie. And they didn't really do that. They actually drew from the sequels more where, uh, you know, it's not Imhotep. Uh, the Karloff character from the original movies that is the villain here. In fact, Christopher Lee plays an updating on Karis, who didn't appear until, I believe, the first film's three sequels. And it it draws really heavily from a couple of those movies. But, yeah, I just thought it was interesting that, you know, the Karis movies, I actually prefer them to the uh, the Boris Karloff movie. But it's curious that out of all those films, they didn't go with the instantly iconic one. They went with, uh, you mentioned John's leg a second ago, by the way. Of course they did. Okay. But instead, they went with what would make for a stronger story, which, you know, hats off to them for that.
1: Well, that, that feels right in line with what Jimmy Sangster always kind of did. You know, he would, he would look at whatever his source material was. And I think because I was going to bring up the uh Universal deal. And when when that happened, that opened them up to all of their properties. And I think they realized that original mummy is, is a little slow. And for what hammer was doing at the time, it made a lot more sense to have the mummy be sort of the, the primary villain, which it really isn't in the 1932 mummy. Um, So I, I, I think it's pretty cool that they went into the franchise and sort of plucked out those things that resonated with hammers sort of style more. It makes it. It just makes for a really compelling narrative that that flows really well and kind of constantly is moving, you know. I agree with all that, but I'd be remiss to point out
0: that for fellow Doctor Who fans, just want to say, fezzes are cool. If you get that, are cool. yeah, if you get that, yeah, that's that's a fair. We, we can be friends, but comment. if if you're not a Doctor Who fan, you're probably wondering what the hell I'm talking about. So that's cool. That's cool. <laughs>
1: that uh, pop of red. That pop of red. In that last scene, I, I I thought was really striking. The first time I saw it, like the, the red fez stands out so much amongst the like yellows and grays of everything else. Again, Fisher's uh, direction in this film is just gorgeous. Yeah. And honestly, you can
0: you can feel that the team is really starting to hit their stride here. I mean, I prefer yeah. Curse of Frankenstein. I prefer Horror of Dracula, even Revenge mm-hmm. of Frankenstein. I think they're all stronger movies in this one. But this might be the most beautifully made movie that they had done up until this point. And you can tell there's kind of like an ease with which, uh, you know, Cushing and Lee get along, you know, even though, I mean, they don't exactly perform scenes opposite one another, as it were. I mean, they wrestle with one another, but it just feels like I love the idea of there being this traveling troupe. Uh, you know, Fisher, Sangster, Cushing, Lee, from movie to movie. And it feels like, even for this movie's problems, it also kind of feels like, that. damn it, they had the hang of it, you know? And everything that they yeah. did from this point moving forward is just, my God. I mean, this this might be a more beautiful movie than their first three efforts, you know? This uh, Again, I don't think the writing is fully there. By the way, uh, you didn't say anything, so I'd, I'd be remiss to not point out that about 20 seconds ago
1: they said Ananka. Of course they did you were hoping I' didn't. i'm just gonna I'm just gonna wait for you to say it so I... <laughs>
0: <laughs> and here they are opening the tomb which I'm wondering where the Egyptians got like Fresnels and green uh cream filters at but you know green gels I do love
1: the lighting there though like oh, it's gorgeous it in some ways it feels sort of like italian horror you know where these strange like lights that that are in canon with the scene but don't really make sense you know in different color lights just to make it more interesting and dynamic visually like it feels like fisher was a bit again operating ahead of his time because for <clears throat> you know 1959 this was this was a little advanced uh, in terms of what the horror world was seeing I mean, this is what a movie would
0: light itself as to refer back to. Oh, he said Ananka. Of course, he did. <laughs> this is how a movie would be lit to point out that they're drawing from like EC Comics. You know, mm-hmm. like something a little mm-hmm. heightened, something a little comic booky. I don't know if yeah. EC Comics were. Oh, he said Ananka.
1: <laughs> I was going to say this almost feels like a creep show segment. Oh, he said like... Garnack. I Told love you, the, Paul. uh, this is going to be a rough one. It is. Oh man. I love the, set design right. here too, is... and the, the art on the walls, like they did such a good job, like designing these sets and the props and everything. It just, it, it's very immersive. It doesn't feel like Bray studios, you know, even though I think most of this was shot at Bray. Paul, he, he just said something. Would you care to take a guess what it was? I mean, I, I, it doesn't matter. I'm sure he's it was a, one of the three things. Maybe a leg. It's an Anka. Hmm.
0: But yeah, you're right. It does feel a little EC Comics. You, 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 there are these guys. They're raiding a tomb. You know, something terrible is going to befall them as a result because they're hubris. Uh, I mean, we're we're one good lord choke away from, you know, this being like a Tales from the Crypt segment.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and mummy things don't, I feel like, get... I mean, you don't see a ton of mummy stuff in horror. You know, you see a lot more vampire. You see a lot more, even, like, werewolf, I feel like, compared to mummy. So what what few mummy things there are, you know, tend to crop up in shorter segments. Like, I think of um, uh, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. Like Paul. Yeah. Steve Buscemi mummy segment. I love that. That might be one of my favorite mummy stories ever committed to the film. It's, it's probably my, in the horror
0: world, that's probably my favorite. I, I got to tell you, after what you said about the lighting being somewhat Italian in nature and the fact that Fisher was kind of like of his time, like, I now want to see a
1: mummy jallo like is that even a thing? Oh yeah that would be could great. You, it might could you it imagine might be like, I mean there's a ton of giallo movies. There might be one and I I just Imagine a rampaging
0: great. mummy on the streets mm. of Rome hunting down women
1: with leather-clad like gloves <laughs> leather I, gloves. I, like, I got to tell you I would I would give anything to see Lucio Fulci's the mummy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Anything to see that movie. It would be wonderful. <laughs>
0: You'd have all of these crypts, all of these uh, Egyptian Damn. tombs that would have yeah.
1: signs reading uh, Do Not Entry. And uh, none of it would make any sense. Like, there'd be no attempt to, to give us any sort of narrative that, that makes sense. But it would just be crazy shots of, like, you know, really decrepit mummies, like, just showing down on people. It'd be great. I'd love it. <laughs> Very happy. I'd love it. I, I, yeah, I would watch the hell out of that
0: fulci that is we we should do a getting hammered with fulci series oh man those movies almost they (laughs) they cry out for it they're better they're
1: better when you when you're half asleep and drunk fulci and that's not a like a diss to fulci like house by the cemetery is a to me like the only way to see that movie is when you're sleep deprived and you know on your sixth beer or whatever it is you're you're drinking um I just think his movies operate on a dream state sort of level with dream logic that is a lot easier to follow when you're not picking it apart in a more sort of cognitive way.
0: Paul, I know that this movie comes after Curse of Frankenstein and Horror of Dracula and Revenge of Frankenstein. I get it. Why yeah. does Cushing look 10 years younger? So much than... younger. I
1: know. I was like he, this son of
0: a bitch is dashing
1: <laughs> practically in this. Like, yeah, he looks significantly younger. Um man, and I think a, some of it is just a testament to his performance ability. You know, I think he's playing it a little more energetically, a little bit more unassumingly, like uh, you know he, he's a he's a different character and it's coming across as younger of course the makeup helps um and how i feel they're...
0: like it's worth noting that i called him a son of a bitch affectionately i would i would never want people to think that i would ever ever slight peter Cushing.
1: oh well, that's why i blocked you just now on twitter because he son said of a that bitch well
0: that doesn't matter because he just said that's, a knock again Drickle. that's what a snyder
1: bro would say
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's true, it is true
1: what is a define a snyder bro like is that someone okay, who... now, now here's the thing here's why it actually hurt
0: <laughs> when somebody a complete stranger said this um is I believe those guys exist. Like, those guys are the ones like, Zack Snyder can do no wrong, let's be complete assholes about this whole Snyder Cut thing. Like, I've seen some behavior from them that is absolutely appalling. Would I dub those guys Snyder Bros? Yeah, sure, absolutely. But the idea that anybody who says anything, even remotely, keep in mind, literally, the thing that I said about Snyder was, hey, I know this was pretty damn dumb of him to say, but... And somehow that makes me like his greatest defender. Again, it goes back to that thing I was talking about where everything has to be black or white. It has to be like yeah. it it's just,
1: have just thick sides and yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I yeah, it's crazy. Uh, so we just had a big time jump to a completely different setting. Another thing I really like about this movie, honestly, because uh, it, it again it keeps it it keeps it moving. It keeps it feeling interesting. I love that we're now in more of a classic Hammer kind of setting. And it gives the movie sort of a big scope and a, a a big feel towards of what it's all covering.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could tell we're probably a Bray now. Like it's we're 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 in the midst of like a hammer flick now, you know. Um, but yeah. I gotta say, like even for that, this movie seems. I don't know if it's its color palette or something, but there's something that is sort of this film feels different visually from it's the previous hammer films. And I can't quite put my finger on it. Why? But it's equally as gorgeous and it's surely as, you know, Gothic as the previous films, but I don't know. It, it, there's something that strikes me. It, it seems warmer than Dracula. It seems warmer than Frankenstein to me.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think it's, it's got a, a little bit more of a saturated color palette. In some ways, like people's faces look a little rosier. Um, there, there's just a little bit more pop to the he colors in this. mentioned his leg. Of course he did. Of course he did. He damaged it three years ago.
0: Hmm. You know, this drink is getting tastier with every sip. Well, that's kind of what happens.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're also and, getting drunker with every sip. He just said mummy. I feel like they're going to say mummy a lot. Said mummy
0: again. Oh, he said mummy a third <laughs> no, time. That's three drinks. Said oh, We get it. We know what Ananka. We're watching. Ananka. That's four drinks in a row, Paul. Mm. Oh, he said mummy again. Five drinks in a row. I'm catching up.
1: My God. I'm going to run out of this
0: again. Stuff. Number six. Oh, I made enough. Seven.
1: I can't just go pour more. I had to like mix this up. Like, if I run out, I don't know what I'm gonna do, my friend. You've got the bottles. You can make it work. Oh, you'd have to entertain the audience for like five minutes.
0: I can do that. I'll tell them why Dexter is a fantastic show. Okay. You know what? <laughs> I liked the first season. <laughs> it was very good. All right, Paul. We just took six drinks. Yeah, we Maybe did. seven, I forgot. I don't uh, know.
1: How are you hanging in there? Um, My head feels warm and fuzzy. <laughs> and I feel like it's not because it's Christmas time. <laughs> 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 kind of how I feel at Christmas. <laughs> but it isn't Christmas right now. It's almost Halloween, and I'm very excited about that. Um, Even though it's a weird year for Halloween. Would you, you ever know...
0: think... Oh you dress up as a mummy for Halloween because it seems like the simplest possible costume you can dress. Oh, he said mummy. Yeah, he sure did. But you don't see that many mummies at Halloween. Why is that, do you think?
1: Uh, well, grab a few. yards. Oh, oh, Hammer Pub. I Which still is- think we should change the name of this podcast to the Hammer Pub. Hammer I think Pub? that is such a good... That'll be a Such hashtag a
0: that game. we use.
1: It should, yeah. The Hammer Pub. It's not a Hammer movie without a pub. Look at that guy. I love the I love the small moments of comic relief that we sometimes get in the Hammer pubs. These fuckers are straight out of uh, Dickens. Yes. Yeah, and I think it's one of the things that I like about the Hammer Pub in these movies is it. One, it unifies the films in a way. It's like a unifying sort of touch point that a lot of the movies share, it's a humanizing place. So where you can take these larger than life uh, stories, monsters, characters, and put them somewhere that's like sort of relatable and down to earth um, and feels really blue collar. So as fancy as these movies ever get, you know, in these big luscious manners, you still ultimately find yourself in a crappy little pub, you know? Look at them, they
0: look like fucking Laurel and Hardy here.
1: I I kind of think that's might be what they're sort of a play on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who would have been who would have been the period
0: appropriate comedians to take over like the Abbott and Costello meet whoever in this period? Like who would have been the equivalent oh, in the Late
1: fifties?
0: <laughs> late fifties, <50s, laughs> early sixties. Oh man, yeah. I don't know. Uh I'm not as uh I don't did, know. Have did to... you hear that there was a plan back in the early aughts? I think it was after Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back came out, and probably their appearance in Scream 3 kick-started this idea. But apparently Harvey, whatever his fucking name was, uh, had pitched the idea to Kevin Smith that he wanted to do a Jay and Silent Bob meet series that would have had the meeting... Uh, contemporary horror characters as really? a sort of nod to the Abbott and Costello series way back in the day. He just said mummy.
1: Goddamn. So Jansaw and Bob meet like Jigsaw or something? Is that what we're talking about? I, I mean, if they would have
0: gotten to that point, surely, I mean, thinking about Dimensions Catalog, they would have met Michael Myers, they would have met Pinhead, maybe the Ghostface Killer from Scream. And I gotta yeah. tell you, I, I would have been, been in for that. Batman, that would have been fun.
1: I mean, twenty-year-old sure. me would have been all about yeah, that. Of course, I love Jane and Silent Bob at the time, uh, and I still have like lingering affection for them because of the nostalgia sort of thing. I think some of their movies haven't aged super well. <laughs> and,
0: and you know what? Uh, I found out like watching the reboot, like Jane and Silent Bob reboot. Watching that again, one, I don't think some of that movie works like Gangbusters, but yeah, some not, of it. not a lot of it. You know. No. um But looking back on, like, (sighs) Clerks still stands up. Uh, Yeah. uh, Chasing Amy, I will always say, is a great fucking movie. Uh, Dogma is, you know, good, but it's not the movie that it wants to be, I don't think. Uh, But his other stuff, yeah, I feel kind of the same way. Like, I'll always have a nostalgic feel for it, but... I'm just I I just grew out of those movies. I'm not the guy who can watch Mallrats every weekend and laugh my ass off at it. I'm not the guy who can watch Jane Simon Bob Strike Back, you know, every other day like I was in college. And I <laughs> tell you what kind of broke my heart. I recently got HBO Max so I could start catching up with Perry Mason and Lovecraft Country, which listeners, if you haven't seen Lovecraft Country, my god, we're two episodes in and it, it's amazing. But um one of their hubs had I've been thinking of Amazon Prime. Fuck it, whatever it was. I watched Beavis and Butthead, and mm-hmm. I threw on a couple of episodes of that. And, I mean, this is something that would have me cackling at 12, 13 years old, right? Yeah. Watching it again, I'm just, you know, I'm looking for the I, – I I, think at some point I'd convince <clears throat> myself that there was this wit to Beavis and Butthead because that wit would show up later in Mike Judge's other work. like uh, right. Idiocracy or Office, oh, yeah. or any number of things, right? So I'd always convince myself, like you know, oh, the, the reason I found Beavis and ButtHead so funny when I was a kid was because clearly yada yada blah blah blah. blah. Watching it again, it was actually a little painful. Like it yeah. was,
1: it was think, not
0: funny. Yeah, it was it's... just juvenile. That's all it is, and it broke my heart a little Italian bit. Italian lighting
1: was... again, right there. Sorry, oh, no, that no, was you're... very Italian.
0: Well, you're well, powerful trying to talk about the movie we're meant to be commenting on and I'm trying to talk about
1: Beef Buddhead. We, we should put disclaimers podcast. up. <laughs> this is a podcast. This is a commentary sort of. <laughs> no, it's uh no, I agree with you. I think um I think his his work on like King of the Hill is a much better representation of his like wit and sense of humor.
0: Look at that. Than Beavis, but... That he just my god that man knew what he was doing i'm sorry
1: paul please no oh, you're fine i was just talking about king of the hill during this mummy pu- mummy commentary So <laughs> it's my fault um no i'm not a big be- I honestly honestly i wasn't allowed to watch booze and butt so i never really i don't even have nostalgia for it like i just never really found it funny and never really got into it. not not like judging people who liked it like i i like plenty of stupid shit um yeah, you know, like you said, I, I in college I loved Jay and Sound Bob Strike Back, and honestly, I still find it funny. Like I can still watch that movie and laugh, Um, even though I know it's.
0: Oh is, yeah, yeah. Um, I too.
1: but but we don't reach for it as often. No, it's no. it's a once every five six years kind of movie. At he this point. said Karnak. Of course he did. Love that. Love the color pop of that red on his fez. I just think like the way he shot this. A lot of those jungle sets were at a bigger studio too, right? That that's not a Bray. They went to um, like a bigger studio for like uh, and reused, it, but it was it was reused jungle sets from a different movie. Um, and I think it was another Hammer movie, but it wasn't horror. I think it was like a war movie. I can't remember the title. I know we're talking different countries here, but I
0: want to believe that this is the same bog that Marion Crane goes into oh, in Psycho. Yeah.
1: Do you think like the hieroglyphics on that page actually say something or do you think it's like bullshit they made up for the prop?
0: I think it's probably bullshit they made up for the prop. I couldn't (laughs) swear to that, but I want to believe what I want to believe is the third option. I want to believe it's just this really lewd set of sentences like out of Bubba Hotep.
1: Yeah, Uh, (laughs) that's a great movie. Bubba Hotep is so good. I wish we had
0: gotten the sequel. Now, not counting the later mummy movies like the Brendan Fraser movie, which I do love, and the Tom Cruise movie, which isn't nearly as bad as people say. It. But it, when we think of traditional mummies, like the, the bandages and all of that jazz, Emergency. right? Yeah. I think after having watched this movie again, I think this might be the best looking mummy. Like, holy shit. Like, And I love the Jack Pierce mummy from the original Universal movie for the three and a half minutes he's in the damn film. Yeah. Right. But there is something so creepy and so beautiful and so threatening about Lee
1: as this character. here. I just I fuck I adore it. Yeah, no, this is phenomenal. And I think it's one of Lee's actually like this might be sacrilege, but I think it's one of his best like monsters, like the way he the way he walks, the way he interacts, um, the way he carries himself Um which is funny, because I was reading on a different... Like, I was reading an article, and I forget. I feel bad, because I should say who wrote it, but I can't remember. I'm and sorry they were talking about he said Karnak. Of course he did. But they were talking about how, like, a lot of what Lee was doing in this movie, like, when he was walking and moving around, wasn't actually acting. He had just sustained, like, a ton of injuries. So, like, he had hurt, like, his back and his shoulders and some things, like, during the filming... Um, and, and when he was, cause the swamp stuff is all a tank. This is like in a studio, this is a soundstage and that's a tank. And there was like pipes and fittings and things. And he had bumped into them. So he had gotten really banged up. So like the way, how stiffly he moves and how he limps and stuff was actually like real. <laughs> I love it. By the way, he said Karnak again. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm just happy. I contributed some like mummy trivia to this mummy commentary
0: well i read too i read the i might have read the same article that you did but i read that he in addition to beating the hell out of his legs he threw his back out when he picked up uh is it a vet for no um Uh, plays isabel and uh yeah so he also so you have a mummy that has basically bruised shins and kneecaps and sciatica like (laughs) trying to lumber around and it's like you know, with know. any other performance, if That's he's been Dracula...
1: Right oh my God, it's beautiful. And see, I mean, like look at the country the road mummy, down the how way. It, how it hits him and then the how it reflects the orangish-yellow. It's really creepy, too. Any other role, he couldn't have done this. Like Dracula, uh,
0: no. arguably the creature, but, you know, with the mummy, thank God, he could have just been like, you know what, I can still work.
1: this. Well, and I was this. really struck by how... You know, we always talk about how Hammer um, sort of feels like proto slasher, right? Like with um, with Dracula, sort of the franchise slasher stuff it does. Um, this movie, more than those other ones, feels like a slasher film. Like that scene just there where he was like walking by, that could have been Michael Myers. Oh, totally. Like, just, that is, just walking that is by. Michael like,
0: Myers in Halloween 2, just casually walking yes.
1: around. Yeah. I and feel like this movie more this than the scene. other ones had a huge influence on the slasher cycle. I mean, yeah, this is that's terrifying, Yeah, a violent scene. And this might be the scariest Tearing thing. Tearing the panel off. And oh, my God.
0: We talk about Hammer not really being that scary, you know, in the other movies. And by and large, we don't think of Hammer movies as being frightening.
1: This is fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's one of the things I was really taken by the other night. And just like the dead-eyed look, I was going to say, and, and, and it, yeah, it really feels like a faceless sort of mask, like a Myers-style mask. Like it, it's very Halloween. and I? I if the plots were more similar, it would make a good double. But like I would love to take Dude, like maybe yeah, like Halloween <laughs> and Mummy as a double. Uh, even though they like don't play similarly at all. I'll tell you what you do. You take all the shots of Lee lumbering about
0: and you just set the Halloween theme to it. That would actually be super cool. <laughs> Someone should do that and put it on YouTube. Horror goodies. If you're listening out there, please, please conjure this up. That would be amazing.
1: Yep. I would love it.
0: <laughs> now, but this is this is a movie that Here's the thing, though. This is also the point of the movie where I feel it hits kind of like a dull stretch. And it's peaks and valleys with the pacing. It doesn't keep up like a constant drive. Instead, it's like, you know, some stuff happens and we're really engaged. And then we kind of fall back a little bit. And nothing that's offered plot-wise is really, I don't think, essential to it being kind of a thriller, you know? And plus... You know, for as much as we praise Hammer with the previous movies as doing a lot with a little, you know, these relatively low budget movies, but they made them look gorgeous. Right. In this film, I feel like when it comes to the set pieces, you have some Bray, you have some amazing stuff, but you also have and maybe this was just merely at the writing stage. Maybe they were told, look, the bulk of the action has to happen at Bray. Sure. Fine. But you have three different sequences in this movie. Where the mummy breaks into the same damn house to strangle yeah. somebody, it, it's very repetitious, it's very redundant in that way. Um, and yet you know, it's it's always watchable. Oh, he said Ananka, <laughs> dear god, I'm scared to stand up, Paul. I tell you what, if, if this will make you feel a little bit better, uh, I noticed in the final stretch of the movie when it's mostly action based the drinking game pretty much ends prematurely. So we're, we're going to have a stretch at the end where oh, nice, where we can kind of come down. Yeah. We can sober <laughs> up. a bit. So uh, getting there, you know, we're, we're, we're not up that hill yet,
1: but uh, no, God, no, there's more coming. I'm sure. But no, what did ha- this movie? Um, cause hammer movies were always released as like a, a double, right? What, I actually, do you know what movie this was a double with? It was going to be either—I oh, want to say it
0: was either Curse of the Demon, maybe, or no, it was Curse of the Undead, which I have never seen, or the 1959 remake of The Bat.
1: Okay, so was this was the A feature then?
0: This I was, was like, fucking hope
1: yeah. so based yeah, on yeah, those yeah, two. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I figured it was. No, I figured it was. I just, I I didn't, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know why. He said mummy. Terrence Fisher, Jimmy Sangster, fishing, and, yeah, okay. It's the A feature.
0: Mummy!
1: And this performed really well, right? Like, this did, (laughs) if I recall correctly, this was another hit for them. And he said Ananka. So, why do you think. um, Gulp. These movies connected so well. Like at this point, do you think part of it was Hammer had built a reputation for itself? I or do you feel probably... like just people were hungry for new versions, similar to now why they keep remaking things? Right. People are I... hungry for new versions of popular characters. What I feel like is
0: that he just said Ananka and Karnak, so that's two drinks. God damn it, Jinx.
1: <laughs> now I know why people block you on Twitter. <laughs> Ouch. Wow. <laughs> In with the knife there. I just, it's because I love you. Okay. Is, it's out of love.
0: 3,000 is what that it is. It is out
1: of love. It's, it's because you gave me Sarah. such a hard time about my Dexter, Which I feel guilty. <laughs> I, I i texted you afterwards. I was like, you, you can cut that. Like, I feel super guilty about okay. being angry about something. You're going to keep it all. Going to let people see that side of you. Mm. No, I'm going to get blocked after that. People are going to start muting me.
0: No, what I think is, I feel like this is almost, you know, up until this point, there was a generation that was raised on the Universal movies, which are wonderful. But, you know, when we started entering the 50s and 60s, it seemed like horror had started to evolve. And, you know, there were more like sci-fi horror films. And uh, maybe with not necessarily the gore, but maybe with the violence, Uh, movies were starting to become a little bit brazen. And so what I love about the idea of the Hammer movies dropping at this time was that you probably had an entire generation of monster kids who felt that, hey, this isn't my dad's Dracula. This isn't my dad's Frankenstein. This is mine, you know? And these movies were allowed to be a little sexier and a little more violent and a little more cool. And I got to imagine that was to have something familiar,
1: but also something
0: brand new was probably really exciting for kids at that time who, you know, if they weren't taken to see these movies, I, I would like to imagine that they, uh, <laughs> they snuck in on a Saturday matinee to catch
1: them. Yeah, I agree. And it's funny cause it's weird. I find it odd that these movies don't often come up when we talk about, Oh, what are the best remakes? You know, like, you don't often hear people say, oh, you know, you, you hear things like, oh, the thing, the fly, which admittedly, I get it. I get why those are the first things people bring up. But I'm surprised you don't hear more people say, oh, Curse of Frankenstein or Horror of Dracula. You know, like those are I think great. that's
0: because the Hammer era is kind of by and large forgotten entirely. Or yes, do you think that's I do. Because they, uh...
1: <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I, 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 I think I, it's I that people wondering. don't even. And that's one of the reasons, like, I wanted to write that column was because I'm like you know I as a horror fan feel like I only just discovered Hammer and it's this huge part it's it's this weird thing where you you start looking at it and you're like wow this is like a huge part of the horror genre how did I not know about it I mean I knew I guess I knew about it but how did I not consider it a more bigger more important element of the horror genre um yeah. I gotta admit,
0: like I had always, uh, you know, I I still don't consider *Horror of Dracula* remake or *Curse of Frankenstein* simply because you know there was an existing source material there, you know. So it's not like the same sure. as a remake of *A Nightmare on Elm Street*, where there was only the film in the first place. But I will say, you know, when all of those remakes started, I love those little figures, like on the.
1: <laughs> it's just There's, hilarious. That was really you. You sounded very drug Like I love those figures. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting this there, whole, we but... actually, we've been, we've been like going on and on about hammer, but this whole sequence, this whole like flashback sequence is actually, I find really impressive and a good way. You mentioned the pacing of the film is sort of problematic and I agree, but I think this is a good way to break up the movie. Like, I like that we cut away from sort of the, you know, men in courtrooms and offices discussing things to go to something a little more vibrant and interesting Um, well, not halfway through the film, but like a third of the way. Set a mummy and a I think I have to pour another drink. Mm. Oh, and he said Cornac too. That's three drinks, man. I'm gonna have to bank two of them because I gotta get my thing out.
0: Okay, am I gonna have to entertain the audience?
1: No, no, I've got, I've got a water bottle. I just have to open it. All right, so make some uh, sounds. As I get
0: this out I'm going to try and talk over your sounds here Yeah, when it comes to Hammer though Somebody made a very good point I want to think Way back in the day When he ran shotgun drop Ryan Turek Talked about how You know, sure that Oh, he said Karnak So that's three drinks You've banked Paul. Count them up And let me know how much I owe you Alright <laughs> But, you know Talked about, you know Obviously there was always this Oh, he said mummy Son of a bitch
1: I'm not paying attention So you better not screw me on this
0: no, I you're up to four. Um, but he talked about, you know, there's always this fear that would arise whenever a, a classic movie was being remade. And I think he says, I I might be misattributing this, I hope not, but I think he said something along the lines of, well, you know, look at like the Hammer films. This was a new version of Dracula, a new version of Frankenstein, a new version of The Mummy, a new version of uh, The Wolfman with the werewolf, you know, Chris the werewolf. You know, it's just another cycle, you know, it's not anything to hate. And, you know, I get that in a way, but also... I will say this when I watch Nightmare on Elm Street or I watch Friday the 13th or I watch Psycho or I watch any number of, I say recent, I mean, we're talking the last 20 years, but whenever I watch modern remakes, there seems to be kind of like this spit and polish approach with the older stories. Whereas with Hammer, Hammer seems to be kind of doing their own thing, you know, so these movies can stand on their own. They're not merely a carbon copy of what had come before. Yeah, uh, And I cannot say that about the new Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, I can't certainly can not say that about Gus Van Sant's Psycho, which on its own, I think, is kind of a fascinating experiment. But a failure is a piece of entertainment. Uh, but with all the Hammer movies, you know, I watched this mummy. This mummy stands alone to me like this is a, like we talked about. This isn't a remake of the Karloff film. It's not really a remake of the sequels either, even though it draws from it. But they sort of took all these disparate elements. They cherry picked all these great moments and they kind of did their own thing. And I I think they justified themselves as pieces of art for that because Sangster and Fisher and company were trying to create, you know, their own
1: individual works. Sure. But I think, I, I think the word remake is a really big word. And I think that part of the issue is we've come to define remake as a very specific thing. Um, meaning like you said, oh, well, a remake is, there was a movie, it was popular, we're going to remake it now because, because it was popular, we want to cash in on that, so that's a remake. I mean, many people consider, I mean, the, the Brendan Fraser mummy was called a remake of the mummy, even though it's nothing like that movie. It has nothing in common with it. I mean, there's some, some, there's names, but it's not the same movie. It's, it's it's not a totally but, different movie, but but, like, but I wouldn't call it. Like, I don't know. I I think that like I, I think remake just covers a lot of ground. It so does, I think, and that's why me. I don't it's mind, and it's like, not a bad word. I think that's the difference. Is like I don't I don't necessarily associate remake with a neg like a negative connotation. Like I think oh, a lot I, of people do. Well, I I don't, but that doesn't mean that a lot of them aren't born out of sort of a disingenuous kind of uh money-making mentality like i i totally fully understand that like the hollywood remake machine is generally there to be sort of a money-making machine that is uninterested in art but i also think like revisioning and remaking stories is part of storytelling right because that's just sort of what you have to do. If you go back in time, there's a million different iterations of the exact same story, but we don't necessarily think they're bad just because they've been told before. Um, So long story short, like I count all of these movies as remakes, but I don't see that as a bad thing. And I see it as this, this, I think hammer set the bar for what a remake could actually be, which is completely, envisioning your own version of something rather than being beholden to the thing that was made before
0: no, I, I agree with that and you owe me five drinks by the way um get started you go ahead and talk i, <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with that but i i you know i remember people being exasperated in the late 90s and early aughts when people started reintroducing re-introdu- these uh new terms so it wasn't merely remake anymore it was uh re-envisioning like uh, re 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 this re that you know and but at the same time reboot i get it though you know because you know the 99 the brendan fraser mummy is it the same as the karloff mummy no but do they both start from the same kind of like point do they both cover the same characters in a way when it comes to emotep and Uh, an ox in the moon. Yeah, they kind of do. They, you know, they take all of the elements they need from that original movie and then they kind of spin their own thing from it. And you know, this mummy did that too, whether or not that's a remake or a re what the hell ever, who knows? But you know, I, I think all of those versions are valid though. You know, I can't think of a single mummy movie that is a carbon copy of another mummy movie. Even the Tom Cruise mummy is its own thing, you know. Uh oh, you said Karnak. <laughs> Holy shit, I'm gonna have to grab we got, we got
1: the Italian
0: lighting again. Jollo I Mummy. Love... That's all I'm saying. Yes. Oh, he said Ananka. anka. Take another sip ball. Uh,
1: yeah, he did. He sure did.
0: I love that we're on the honor system here when it comes to how many drinks. Oh, I mean, honestly,
1: Jinx, all this shit, you could be just making up. Like, I have not validated almost (laughs) anything. I know I'm watching this movie. Like, that made it sound like I wasn't watching the movie that we're supposed to be commentating on. But I'm not reading the words as, you know, closely as I probably should be. Well, I'm I'm going to tell you, I would not
0: be inventing reasons for us to take take drinks at this point because of the
1: shit. I love that shot. Oh, my God so gorgeous I, every so, terrence fisher movie i could just stare like you could you could like frame and hang on the wall most every shot from this film he is one of the now that is the thing
0: i understand people maybe you know hammer doesn't get its due i think because you know there seems to be this thing i've noticed when it comes to uh british kids of a certain age like obviously they think of hammer fondly you know when it comes to the us like Obviously, these movies came over here at a certain point during first run. And so there is a generation of monster kids. But if you were born of a generation later than that, maybe you caught them on the sci-fi channel like I did, you know, and that created a fan. Uh, But that's not something that kids these days are going to be able to see. I get that. And yet there's still any number of movies beyond Hammer that that's also true of that we still respect the directors and we still respect uh, how important they were to the genre they were working in. Why do you think even though Hammer may not be as big as oh god this scene. I know we don't see a thing, but there was it's a Karnak
1: too, by the way.
0: Was there, there really? Did yeah. catch. Um. Mm.
1: <laughs> but why do you think? Yeah, that is fantastic. But you were right. That was really fucked up. That scene. Uh, and I think they actually redo that for one of the uh, Fraser mummies, and it hurts oh. as much that wasn't um, that just triggered something in that? Uh, no, not the same article, but it didn't isn't there a shot of the tongue being cut off? Like, there, doesn't that I, exist?
0: I don't know if and we the, actually see the PBFC
1: removed it. Like, yeah, there, are,
0: there are shots, much like Horror of Dracula, and I'm sure the Frankenstein movies that were actually censored and they had to cut them. I hope that one day we actually get to see that footage, much like we did with Horror of Dracula, but who knows? But, but why uh, do you think yeah. that Terrence okay. Fisher? doesn't get the respect that he so
1: clearly deserves for
0: what his abilities were.
1: I think part of it is that he was a workman's director. He took the jobs he was given. Um, and, so he was and not an art tourer necessarily. Right. I don't think he's considered... Well, and I have... <laughs> You want to get me started on a rant? I, I have some issues with well, the auteur we, just not for nothing. We are forty-five <laughs> minutes in. This is about
0: the point where you and I get to the whole dark night of the
1: soul <laughs> in the commentary. So you go ahead and cut loose, pal. Gut. No,pe I'm not going to do it again because I felt you last time and I don't want to. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm I just,
0: I have so much say weird. Auteur, auteur theory. God, okay, know? I
1: just don't. I don't like the. I, I'm not disagreeing with the fact that there are certain creatives out there that have a prolific effect on the work that they're focused on and that it's very clear you know what their influences is is based on their team and i think the auteur theory has more of a place in hollywood during the studio system you know back when like howard hawks would be hired by a studio for 30 movies you know i think that's where the auteur theory makes sense because okay He's hired on for this many movies, he has his own team, and he basically crafts a way of making a movie that's completely controlled by him, and he keeps replicating it. Um, But I think once we get past that system, the and I think even then, the auteur theory is incredibly diminishing to the other people who work on the movie. Um, Meaning that it's not really fair to say uh, that uh, Howard Hawks' movie is solely you know the outcome of howard hawks's talents um so i I don't subscribe to the auteur theory in full what i subscribe to is that there are certain directors who run the show in such a way that it brings out the best in the team that they're working with um but that outcome is still largely due to the talents of that team not just that director right um so that's what annoys me at the tour theory is we end up walking away knowing the names of the directors but not the names of anyone else I
0: gotta right? say, so, like I I agree with you and I do think like I I can subscribe to the tour theory to an extent. I tell you what does piss me off is the uh, possessory credit. I am not a fan at all. And it's gone away. It seems by and large over the last decade or so. I'm not a fan of the credit that reads a film by it's like, motherfucker, you already have a directed by credit. You don't also need a film by credit when in fact, this film is by about a hundred other people, if not
1: yeah, more. Right. Well, that, and that's always been my issue with our tourism. Um, I... And again, I think there was a time when the auteur theory makes sense. Now, I find it to be just incre- again, incredibly diminishing. Like to call someone like Christopher Nolan an auteur is I just don't think accurate and I and I think it's condescending to a, other filmmakers and to the people who work on his films. Now, having By the st- way, I
0: just I hate to interrupt you, but by this point, just before I forget, because I'm getting to the forgetful stage of this commentary, uh, you, you owe two Anonkas and a Karnak.
1: <laughs> You're great. You're a great guy. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Um I forgot what the original question was. Is Terrence <laughs> Fisher an on tour? Is that what you're asking? You were, um, no, 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 you were yes, but you were also talking about uh, Christopher Nolan being an on tour and how the definition <laughs> that is. To he collaborates <laughs> well, with. Well, that's because all of his movies think they're way smarter than they actually are. But uh, having okay, said no, that, no, 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 no. I will. Okay, I I will <laughs> I will argue with you on one minor thing, and it,
0: tell me if you disagree with me. Okay, yes or no, his sure. film. Used to be very intelligent. But the further he's gone along, the less intelligent, but the bigger those movies have become. And maybe, maybe, maybe a little um, um I'm reaching for the word here. Uh, they're a little full of themselves. You know, hey. I think I think Interstellar, as as pleased with itself as it is, and I think it's a well-made movie, and I think it's they're a fun crying. movie. Yeah, but yeah. that movie. Thinks that it is just oh, the man. greatest thing ever, <laughs> when in fact, it's uh, about as damn dumb as a
1: post. But Sorry, now I'm just man. watching the mummy real quick. Um, I'm listening. <laughs> I'm watching the movie we're watching <laughs> for this commentary real fast. It's, it's great. Really, really, um, great. God. And you can see his eyes in that shot, he which played I like.
0: Ah, he right. played Frankenstein's monster or that's, creature, rather. He amazing. played the mummy
1: and he nailed every that's single fun. one of them. He he actually got really hurt when those squibs went off. That was another I thing. That, I read. They left uh, marks. Like this, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um. Oh, damn! Great stuff. Uh, got, Christopher Nolan we're, is we're what Nolan. you're asking about. Yeah. Okay. so, so Memento and Insomnia was was are pretty intelligent. Months, so Memento and Insomnia are pretty intelligent, thoughtful films. And following. Uh, And the following. Yeah, and following. Um,
0: And and let's go ahead and throw it out there. Batman Begins is pretty damn great for one.
1: Batman Begins. Okay. We're going to get to that. All right. Okay. Can I be 100% honest on the Batman trilogy, on the Dark Knight trilogy? Batman Begins is the only one that I actually like. (laughs) I know. I know. Uh, Dark Knight. Okay. Here's the thing about the Dark Knight, though. Okay. We all like it because the Joker is really good. And I'm not denying that. but that third act kind of ruins the whole movie, though, because it's a really crappy third act. But OK,
0: I said that one thing I, I do want to answer you, but they just said mummy back to back there. So that's two mummies. Why are we talking about
1: Christopher Nolan?
0: Jesus, this
1: is a bad this is a bad thing because it's going to turn into
0: the rest. Paul, of the we're, we're either it's talking about horrifying. Christopher Nolan, Dexter, or my exes. You choose your poison. OK, Sarah. fine.
1: It's Christopher Nolan, but <laughs> okay. at least it's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, Welcome to our podcast. We're halfway through. We shit. stop talking about the thing. We're doing a quote unquote commentary for. And you <laughs> continue just said, to just dive
0: in. You just All right, go
1: drink. ahead. Sorry, I keep cutting you.
0: No, he just said Ananka. So that's a drink. Okay, so
1: rum just like
0: all all at once hit me like all everything i've drank tonight just hit me oh, i'm 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 good and fuzzy sir oh he's holy shit he just said a knocker what the fuck is wrong with me jesus. Oh, the
1: italian lighting better than anything christopher nolan's ever done he just said karnak paul jesus okay yeah mm-hmm. we're getting into it now okay so what are you mad about
0: what did i say i said I something don't, about it. Oh, I don't oh, dark knight. okay so the final act of the dark knight and here's the thing i think the dark knight is the perfect halfway point for Christopher nolan's abilities as a smart filmmaker and a filmmaker who thinks he's smart Like, you can divide that movie down the middle and see where the change is. I think a lot of that movie is incredibly intelligent. But then you have, like, so much dumb bullshit in there. Now, I will say... But that's
1: the thing, is, like, okay, I'm sorry, but, like, why are people so willing to forgive the dumb bullshit in that movie? In other movies, the dumb bullshit would ruin the movie. Like, if a movie is 50% good and 50% dumb bullshit not that it's fifty fifty in that movie but i'm just but, saying you know a what's lot crazy? of it's that most he would other... agree with you and uh, that's what i think is amazing yeah. is that he did an interview where
0: somebody was calling him out on some of the uh the inconsistencies and shit on interstellar and he was like, Well, I'm really flattered that people are willing to look that deeply into what is clearly just meant to be a piece of entertainment. He didn't sound like a defensive filmmaker. He sounded like a dude who was just kind of like, uh, guys, you're taking this movie way too
1: seriously. So which I think is, he knows which too. is fine. I, I don't look, I don't like hold I will any say ill I, will against I, the filmmaker. I, I just don't I, I do this year. love and the movie. Like do I, you know I don't I do this year? don't get like i i guess i watched that movie and i guess my problem with it is it has a a best of the year standout performance that elevates the film inside of it right so so the joker in that film everything that the joker touches is great because he's great and his character is great and and all of the Batman scenes that he's a part of, like, uh, some of the best that those movies have to offer. But that doesn't change the fact that the, na- the narrative itself, for me, did not work. And the last act felt like an entire movie's worth of content crammed into 30 minutes.
0: But did you not like the idea of... Okay, the problem that I have with Batman in Nolan's movies is also a problem that I think that Nolan has with Batman in his movies, it's a great which is that scream,
1: by the way his lip quivering and then he screams. Sorry, I'll I'll t- t- no, you're right, you're right, again. and, and I can't pop. knock
0: you for focusing on the movie that we're meant to be talking about as opposed Something to about, fucking Nolan, he, he but... talk about Batman. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> <laughs> but like you know this is a guy i think somebody okay literally somebody tonight uh posted this text that i thought was amazing and let me read it uh and i did not know that we were talking about christopher say, you have this time. prepared i'm so no, impressed I think that's the thing <laughs> I, it's one of those things, like when i read a great tweet i will snapshot it faster Damn, than i'm okay watch it, right? all right this all right. guy named this guy that i don't even follow but other people apparently liked he wrote this thing one of the big problems with Uh, quote-unquote, dark and gritty Batman movies is that people writing them can't craft a mystery that's so complex only Batman can solve it. So Batman's quote-unquote superpower ends up being the ability to violate people's constitutional rights. Now, when you watch The Dark Knight, Bruce Wayne slash Batman does loads of questionable, dodgy, shady shit in that film, but I'd love the final act of the movie because it holds him to task in a way, uh, by way of Lucius Fox character one and two, I mean, I just kind of love the very jokery setup between the two boats with the prisoners and the bombs. Like, I think that's a very Joker kind of plot. And I think the resolution of that is actually Like there's a lot of heart in it and it is a rebuttal to the Joker's thesis that all it takes is one bad day for somebody to do something really heinous or that everybody deep down is terrible and only out for themselves. You know, I I, I love
1: that about it. Yeah, I have no problem with that. My issue is with Two-Face. All all of the Two-Face stuff is terrible and it it undermines the narrative and it doesn't make sense and it's so thrown together and it feels cartoonish whereas everything else feels grounded. And even even like the CGI on how you can see like his eyeball through his skull, it's like that doesn't make sense in a grounded Batman. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Now, I guess that's my point. You can't make, you can't set out to make a grounded fucking Batman movie and then have like a crazy man with his eyeball dangling beneath his skull. Like, no, like he'd be dead or that. Like, it's, I, I can't accept like silly cartoonish shit when you're also trying to pretend you're the real version of Batman, which is what those movies are trying to do. Um, and then the other problem I have with it is is I just don't buy that Harvey Dent would go from a super good guy to immediately this insane supervillain in a matter of hours. But, but, it but, doesn't but, make but, sense. But that's the it, thing. is that If it had, had been a movie later, had and he I, had months of recovery, had he had time to become crazy, maybe. Like he should. So he my was not, version. He
0: was He was not a. That's the thing. The thing that he was built up as was being the white knight of gotham he was yeah, built the up movie, as being the man movie. that everybody sure. wants to be but what he really was and keep in mind this came out in 2008 was he was the guy who was Never more thought. than willing to waterboard a prisoner i, I, I hear guy. you
1: i don't think the movie did a good enough job of establishing that then like i don't think the movie sold me that narrative well enough to make me believe his transition that quickly i also think that had they ended the movie with the Joker stuff and then cascaded Two-Face into the villain of the third movie, it would have been a much better movie. Would have, had, And apparently that was, Two-Face, the,
0: pl- or that was the plan that I'd read well, that. Then, then
1: that's what they should have done. Because had Two-Face done well, what Bane did well, and hey, take over the that city, not. that would have been a much better third film. And it would have been set up by the second film. And when a movie doesn't end, I don't know. I feel like when a movie's ending really undermines what it was attempting to do at least in my eyes it ruins kind of the whole movie that that's i i need the whole movie to be good (laughs) especially when it's something as big budget and as mainstream and as studio driven as batman i can forgive a shitty 80s slasher for being underwritten or for having a crappy third act. What I can't forgive is a $200 million Batman movie for having a shitty third act. I just can't forgive.
0: I, I can't. Okay. <laughs> I, I can forgive a, okay, we've gotten, I believe, uh, uh, an Ananka and a, yeah. or maybe and, we got a car. you got out.
1: me on a rant again. I'm pretty, so I'm bad. Pretty,
0: Now pretty I feel bad about ranting about this movie. <laughs> we, we, need this 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 cheap, we need to take a drink. I don't even remember why we stuff. need to take a drink, but we need to take a drink.
1: I want to blame Jinx okay. for all these fans. <laughs> I like movies. I generally, well, I'm,
0: I'm unveiling the dark heart of Paul. I know English you are. You're, you're
1: <laughs> seeking out the things I don't like now, which is scaring me for future episodes. This is, this is why I don't like myself. I'm just throwing that out there. You are um, great. You're, you know what, Jinx? You're one of my favorite Twitter people. I'll and stop. and if I'm considered a, a nice guy. Then you must be nice on some level. I don't believe that. But I some appreciate capacity.
0: It. You know what? I don't even care about being nice as long as I'm even remotely interesting, I'll take that. But you are very interesting. I I agree with you when it comes to 2 face Apparently the idea that I had heard it and then we will finish the Batman talk, I swear. Um <laughs> but I'm sorry
1: for anyone that two did <laughs> this. <laughs>
0: Okay, you know what? Let's let's get away from that entirely then. I'm gonna I'm gonna put to bed oh shit, she said Ananka. No, he said Ananka. Somebody said Ananka. Let's let's drink to Ananka.
1: I think I think you know what though? I think we are living up to the scream addicts name though. I think that's one thing these commentaries Degrations, are hundred percent doing is like we are scream Addicts-ing it up by <laughs> a topic as much as possible. I love it
0: no I I, I I like the second Batman movie I do It's the third one where it's really like oh yeah shit you're not and you know what you mentioned like I don't mind the idea of a two hundred million dollar movie just simply being a piece of entertainment. The problem that I have is that movies that spend $200 million and are ultimately just a piece of entertainment that would like to present themselves and would like to think that they're art and would like to think that they're so much smarter than just a, a punch them up or a blow them up, you know? And one of the movies that really like still 14 years after it's release pisses me off for doing the same exact thing. Are you familiar with a movie called children of men? Oh Yeah. So that is a movie that wants to think that it or I'm sorry, it doesn't even want to think it it is a beautifully made, wonderfully realized on a technical level movie with loads of fantastic actors and a setup that's super intriguing. But that movie wants you to think that it is about so much more than what it is, when in fact all it is is a chase movie. It's all about getting from point A to point B to point C. It raises all these questions, never bothers to answer them, which is fine, but it doesn't even bother to meditate on them. And that's what pisses me off. It's the movies that are dishonest about what they're actually meant to be. I walked out of children of Men pissed because I felt I was talked down to by a moron. Uh, and, yeah, so I,
1: I – fuck, where? how did we get there? But I, I get what saying. I don't you're know. Saying, that's interesting. Okay, but <laughs> – <laughs> no and like I yeah and I don't I don't want to come off like a hater like I I enjoy this isn't to say that I don't like the Dark Knight I like the Dark Knight I just don't think it's like best of the year material like a lot of people do that's all um and Dark Knight Rises I didn't care for um yeah, but I I don't think many I don't think that's a controversial opinion I think a lot of not. people
0: like I, I like the Dark Knight Rises movie.
1: I think Batman Begins is the best one it is of the three Woo! because it, it's it 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 i think it it does the best job of making a grounded as realistic as it can be batman movie i i think that's the movie that does that the best and I liked a lot of what it set up um and it felt like a really cool opener to a series of films like i was by the end of the movie I was excited to see the next one, and that's how you should feel when you see a batman movie i think um, well, at least at the time. Now I feel like you know, standalone adventures is probably the way to go. But um, anyway, the Mummy is a movie made in 1959, <laughs> and Christopher Nolan would remake <laughs> the hell out of a
0: Hammer film, I'm so you know he grew up he with. Hammer.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not shitting on Christopher Nolan. I just, I, I don't, I, I called, I, I just referenced him when I said Auteur because he seemed like a modern director that people would call Auteur, and I don't think. There are any modern directors that are auteurs because I think there's too many creatives and too many differentials that make up the uh, You don't think Cronenberg still? When was the last time Cronenberg made a a real Cronenberg movie? Well, that uh, I think okay. You know what? I don't. I will say this.
0: I okay. I don't Bennett's say. Trivia, don't say. Uh, this, uh, the spear no. through the middle of the mummy was Cushing's idea, and I love that. I love yeah. that he saw the... Apparently he saw the pre-release poster with the uh, the blast or the shaft of light coming through the mummy's abdomen, and he was like, we should do something like that, I say. Um, and so they did the spear through the middle, which is fucking great. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of the best parts of the movie, and I love this recognition between the mummy and Isabel, or Ananka. Um, yeah.
1: It's such Given a remarkable- everything he's oh. gone through. There's so much... And that's one thing I like about Christopher Lee and that I feel like he doesn't get enough credit for is he brought so much pathos to his monsters.
0: Any any of his characters like he he always brings a humanity to even the most inhumane characters. Yeah. Yeah. There's Uh, an
1: emotionality there that's like very palpable and easy to relate to and his eyes. I mean, yeah. That's that's a man who knows he's in love with
0: somebody and he can't be with her so he trudges away. I mean, it's all right there and the it, sh- like
1: how he's sort of silhouetted. Terence Fisher man. Let's get back to let's get back to your original question that spawned this whole fucking Christopher Nolan conversation, which was basically like why doesn't Terrence Fisher get the credit that he deserves? And having said all of that, um my original point was that I do think the word "ator" applies to Terrence Fisher. He's at Ananka. Of course he does. And the reason why is because he was, he wasn't, but he basically was a studio director and he 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 said hammer. Hammer. He went from movie to movie and he had the same team for the most part. So what I think he did was his influence over that team became very, very apparent in their work. And they knew how he liked to work. They knew how he liked his films to go, and they adapted their talents to his style. And that's how I always interpreted auteurism, is that the creatives surrounding those auteurs sort of adapted what it was that they did to that person's specific vision. But
0: doesn't it also um, include the idea – I mean, auteur, I mean, essentially they're calling the filmmaker the author of the film. And I know that like which some – I don't really, like. I don't like that either. I, I don't honest. like that either. But yeah. at yeah. the same time, there is a rigidity to that definition that also insisted that the man who directed also write it. So I know that like you know, if you read – going back to Cronenberg, if you read Cronenberg on Cronenberg, was it Mark Salisbury maybe who talked to him? But they talked about the auteur theory in regards to Cronenberg – and I think it was Cronenberg himself who noted that he couldn't necessarily be considered an auditor because he adapted other people's material. You know, he adapted Stephen yeah. King for The Dead Zone. He adapted uh, uh, Huang for uh, M. Butterfly. You know, he he he's adapted plenty of people. And well, yet, I do think every time you watch a Cronenberg movie, including the latter movies, including movies that I don't like, um, you know, I don't care for Cosmopolis. But when I watch that movie, I still see all of Cronenberg's themes on display in that film. I don't think they're very well done, but even though it's obviously, you know, you can watch a history of violence, you can watch Eastern Promises, you can watch uh, Cosmopolis. They all wrestle with the same themes. They're all obviously extensions of his concerns, but you know how it's all a matter of how closely you want to adhere to the idea
1: of an auteur, if you do it all. Yeah, and I I don't disagree that the best directors have a visual footprint and signature that can be identified, right? Like that that's that is a totally different thing to me really than is, the auteur theory. Even because like calling her, it story wise, I think with yeah, Berg, well, I would say that yes, Kernberg but that that has dedicated. to do with the stories they choose, though, right? Absolutely. Like I mean, yes. like because they pick what movies they want to make. And especially if they're a successful director, like they're going to gravitate towards things that resonate with them more. I, I guess, again, my biggest issue with the auteur theory has always been more semantics than anything else. Like I don't right. like the diminishes other people who work on the movie and that's never going to change regardless of how talented the director is. Having said all of that, I do think there are certain directors that attract a certain level of talent Um, And that talent tends to pour itself into realizing that specific director's vision because they believe in that director. So I think it's easy to mistake the auteur theory for just a very talented artist that other really talented people want to work for, you know, Um, and I, I, I think the best directors would be smart enough not to label themselves the author of a movie. When in reality, it was made by a whole lot of really talented people. Um, and I think Terrence Fisher is one of those directors is that he he is at the level of someone that could be called an auteur, but he was never so full of himself that he demanded that kind of label. You know, I don't know. I, I feel like directors of the past were more in the auteur bucket than directors now. Uh, cause I don't really hear that come up as often anymore, but when I was in film school, that was talked about all the time. And I remember I wrote a very scathing paper on the auteur theory and I got like a really bad grade. And when I went <laughs> to the teacher about it, yeah. And when I went to the teacher about it, I was kind of like, Hey, I like heavily researched this and I worked really hard in this, explain my bad grade. And you know what she said to me? She said, well, you got a bad grade cause you just don't understand the auteur theory. Oh what the fuck! That sounds like a teacher. I lost my shit. I was like, you know what? It'd be one thing if you told me that I wrote it poorly or that it wasn't well researched, but to tell me that I'm just wrong about an opinion I have, you know, you're just you're not bringing anything to the table. I have no interest, you know, in what you have to say because this is we're not having a dialogue. She wasn't willing to engage with me. She was just like, Well, you read the text, you didn't write the paper about the text. You know, you're wrong. And I was kind of like, Okay, well, I disagree with the text. So what where are we at now? <laughs> We're in <at laughs> <an> Because <impulse. laughs> I'm a very uh direct person. Like I I'm not I'm not trying and, to make waves. You know, but I'm, and have I'm we
0: not not I just feel. you, but like uh, listeners out there, please chime in either by way of Twitter or comments or what the hell ever but i i think you're right are those not the worst teachers though the ones who stifle yeah original thought the ones who stifle bucking what the uh you know the 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 assignment is meant to be because i was there man too and i i had passionate arguments with people where it's like look it's it's not that i didn't understand it it's just i don't fucking
1: agree yeah and that's the thing i i learned really quickly um and i I don't want to sound like a jerk. I, I learned very quickly in in college, especially be, in like film theory. Be the jerk, Paul. Come in on. You're film drunk. Film theory courses. Mr. Hyde brother. That teachers who teach film theory, 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 God, <laughs> <that I'm laughs> fucking jerk. Uh, teachers who teach film theory have no. This is really blanket and I shouldn't say this, but they, they're not interested in hearing your opinion. They're interested in hearing you regurgitate what they've taught you.
0: Absolutely. No, and I think entirely right.
1: Was... really frustrated me and really pushed me away from film theory, which I think I would have been really kind of good at because I'm very analytical. Um, and I like to sort of break things down. But anytime time I disagreed or wrote a paper disagreeing with the, the sort of thrust of the class, I got a bad grade. But when I regurgitated, like, I even tested it out, Jinx. Like, I had one teacher. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. He wrote a paper, like, going against what they said and wrote a paper going for what they said with the exact same syntax and research level. And on the one where I agreed with them, I got an A-plus and called out in front of the class. On the one where I disagreed with them, I got, like, a C. And it was the same level of writing. (laughs) I'm telling you.
0: (laughs) <laughs> okay, Paul, this this I have two things to say to you. Number one, you owe three drinks for an Ananka and two Karnaks. So let's let's knock those out.
1: I forgot we're doing a commentary. <laughs> Pierre Cushing's great.
0: Oh my god, three drinks. Okay. And the second food. thing, I agree okay. with you entirely, but the worst oh shit, he said Karnak again. Fuck. What, what is, is
1: happening?
0: Okay. I the prince who designed right, this drinking game. Clearly has it out for us.
1: Um, Okay. The second thing. The set design is is so beautiful. Uh, It really is.
0: Uh, And the lighting too. The photography.
1: The the two candle. Oh, Jesus. Fisher is the
0: fucking man. Anyway.
1: No, I agree
0: with you that, you know, I, I, the worst teachers are the ones that do not inspire independent thought. They're the ones that need their ego stroked. And it sounds like you had about as
1: much experience with that as I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree. And I'm not trying to be negative because there's a lot of great teachers out there and there's a lot of great folks I'll be negative uh, to, to all the teachers. Uh, I'm revered, this was just about. a bad experience that I had. But here's what I'll say. It taught me to think independently. It taught me to watch movies and come up with my own opinion and to write about that opinion because it's important to have your opinion out there so you know what if you watch a movie that everyone hates and you love you should write about it if you watch a movie that everyone loves and you hate you should write about it you shouldn't be afraid because it's not wrong to disagree with the bulk of people what's wrong is hiding that opinion or thinking it's invalid because it doesn't follow a certain path which is right. why
0: I want to take this moment to say Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2 is a deeply underrated
1: movie that all you motherfuckers out there cannot under... Okay, I've gone too far. but You know st- what, Jinx? You know what? I think Book of Shadows is going to be like Halloween 3. I, I really do. Oh, I think it's going to be a movie because everyone took, I talk to now loves that movie. It took 10 and, years for Halloween 3. It has been 21. But but ask, if you if you made a Twitter poll right now, if you made a Twitter poll, which maybe you should do. Is Book of Shadows a good movie? Yes or no? I it, would be, it would be over. You. No,
0: yes, it would be. no, no, no. Yes, win. no. Make it, it would be make you. it. Do it right now. It, it would be you, me, no, Joe no, Berlinger, no. and Brian Collins. And Brian
1: Collins doesn't even like me, but it would only be like the four of us who would say that that no, is a good no. movie. Book of Shadows is good and people like it. And I think if you did a Twitter poll, like I bet you people would say yes. I I I believe that would be the predominant because it, it, people are learning over time that that movie is actually good, even though it wasn't what they expected at the time. It's like the you know no one liked the thing when it came. I mean, like it did poorly at the box office. Like movies, great movies are typically ahead of their time, and and they're lucky if they catch
0: on. I, I agree with that, but at the same time, I think there are certain movies that are faded to simply fall through the cracks and never get the recognition that they deserve. He
1: don't just said, Paul. when, when Scream factory puts out the special edition collector's edition, a book, it shouldn't Bank. take
0: Scream factory, Paul.
1: It will, happen. It will happen.
0: And by the way, that statue is dumb. Look at it. I don't
1: look want to
0: look it. at it. I'm sorry. Mahat Bay, but whatever you're praying to right now, that, that, that is dumb. Anyway, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Yes. You know what? There's another movie from 99, which is a movie I will always fly a flag for, that everybody hates. Have you ever seen Eye of the Beholder with uh, Ashley Judd and Ewan McGregor? No. That is uh, one of the best. Uh, wait a minute. Well, uh, maybe. That is maybe. one of the best fucking neo-noirs you will ever see. And everybody
1: no, I have seen should... seen on that movie. I was thinking Why of the Eye for a minute. I don't know why. But not Eye of the Beholder. No. Eye the Boulders Just throwing that out there
0: Paul, I feel like we are barreling Towards the final act here Peter Cushing has a gun in his
1: hand. He's got a gun, he's pointing at a chick Right across from us. <laughs> That's very unfortunate
0: That's not how you do it, Peter
1: It's not how you load a gun
0: <laughs> Not Cushing.
1: that I've ever loaded a gun <laughs> I, I, I can't give advice to anyone with guns I've never held or loaded one
0: I have, and let me tell you, that is, that is not what you do. He just said mummy, by the way, so let's take a drink.
1: He's going to kill an elephant? What is he doing? I
0: Yeah, I don't know. He's, it reminds me of Cliff Booth from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You know, Did he mean to shoot her with a spear gun? Did he mean to blow her away with a double-barrel shotgun? Who
1: can say? It's hard to say. I've only seen that movie once. It seems like everyone else who's seen it has seen it like ten times. All, I saw that motherfucker
0: in theaters three times. I
1: don't get it. I mean, I I, I so, like it, but I don't get. Yeah. Anyway, I like. It's good. It? <laughs> I, I liked it a lot. I, I I I'm not a rewatch person though, especially of long dramatic movies. How many like, times I, what did you say? Huh? How many times did you see it? One time when it came and out. Let,
0: okay, here's my personal experience, if this means anything to you. Night number one. I watched it and I really liked it. And I watched. Yeah, I liked
1: it. it a lot. I thought it was I great. Was like, it's one of my favorite uh, movies of the year. Exactly. I, I was like, have hey, watched it again. <laughs> that's a really good
0: movie. It's nowhere near the top of the list when it comes to Quentin Tarantino. But that was a great night at the movies, right? Sure. Yeah. For the hell of it, when I got off work the next night, because the first night was like a fucking long distance relationship with fucking like a long distance date with somebody who's watching it and they're hurt that is fucking stupid idea anyway but the second night i was like you know what there's nothing else out in theaters i'm gonna watch it one more time and i watched it again and paul yeah. in my estimation it jumped up the list like uh-huh. so fucking far i was like this is one yeah, of the great people... tarantino
1: movies this is one of the great hangout movies paul i, I watched oh this- i know everyone says i bought the big fancy edition that comes with a fucking record like i i Pay, I shelled out 60 bucks for the, you know. See, yeah, I only have the normal edition
0: because I missed that one because I didn't know that it wouldn't be widely available and I hate myself yeah, for it. I, I, but I, let I, me tell you. But that's
1: the thing. is like I, I I liked it. I bought it. I, I paid no, it. No, I liked no, no, the movie. No. I just You've seen it once, Paul. For you're, you're, I only watch. Where I'm, <laughs>
0: you're where I'm at on first viewing, Paul. Let me tell you, sir.
1: Okay, fine. I'll watch it again. I know it. you can't
0: just watch it again <laughs> because the second viewing – The second viewing, it was where I was like, "Oh, this is markedly different. This is a much better film than I thought it was. I thought it was a really great movie, but it is in fact a fucking great movie." Then Paul, I watched it a third and a fourth time in theaters, and let me tell you, in theaters, I don't think I've ever seen a movie four times in theaters. Paul is pissed. Three thousand, hear me. (laughs) I'm not angry. Time by the fourth time time I watched that movie, I'm very lucky. It. was elevated in my mind to being oh, one. Just, a, he just knocked the shit out of that guy, the mummy. Anyway, I mean, oh, it's, look, it's look, Hollywood look I'm sorry. Mehmet Bay, Fezzes are cool, but you're a dick. This whole thing wouldn't have happened were it not for you, sir. Anyway, Paul, yeah, I'm telling control. fourth viewing of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in theaters elevated that movie to being one of the very best Tarantino movies ever made. I have since watched it on Blu-ray, Three or four times. Look, nothing. You've seen that
1: movie eight
0: times, Paul. I might have seen the it twelve movies times.
1: That's I love point. more that than life not... itself. I have not seen eight times.
0: What well, you might not love it as much as you think. But what I'm saying, Paul, <laughs> is that that movie, I nothing will ever replace Pulp Fiction as being the best movie that Tarantino's made. Nothing but. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is now scratching at that door. That is how fucking good it is. You will never get it from one viewing. But I'm telling you, sir, commit to watching it a couple of more times, and you will realize that, that movie is a fucking masterpiece.
1: All right. I commit. I mean, I'm going to watch it again. I bought it. Um, and, I, and again, I feel like I'm coming off like I don't like it. I love it. I thought it was great. I'm just... When it comes to, like, long, dramatic movies, I'm like, okay, I've watched it. I get it. Like, it's good. I don't need to see it again. I don't know. Watching watching it again again. is, like, hanging out. You have to understand, it's, like, with kids, it's hard to watch movies. Like, when I... I get one movie a day if I'm lucky. And usually that movie starts at 10, 10.30. So if I watch something long, I'm staying up till 1 or 2 in the morning. So I have to be very picky. And if I want to watch new things... Like things I haven't seen before. That's what I tend to try to prioritize. Okay. Okay. You so what, what you're saying, saying is, okay. So for all of the listeners out there, let
0: us know via Twitter. Are you willing to support a Patreon episode where Paul and I
1: drink <laughs> margaritas just <laughs> like Rick Dalton and we watch? What's a fun I'll tell time you, I'm in Hollywood. I'll tell you what. You don't even have to pay. I don't want to make. Pay. <laughs> if if you. Uh, wait. If you put out a poll and more than, let's say, 30 people say yes, then I'll do whatever the fuck Jinx recommends I do with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If you, 30 people is my stuff That's what I need. You don't have to pay money. Just hit yes on a poll that he puts out.
0: Let's talk about how fucking beautifully
1: gothic that shot is
0: of cars walking that's away. a beautiful with, transition with, away. His, no, I'm serious, So I mean, that <laughs> is, whenever you watch a gothic horror movie, if it's ever trying to evoke that emotion in you, it's always a bad man with a good heart walking away with an unconscious woman in his arms. Is it
1: not? No, you're right. And that's a beautiful shot. That's and a it's gorgeous. shot. I I really and the red again. Again, people, this is another movie is uses red in a really then- interesting way because red represents what's controlling the mummy. So the the fez is red and he's controlling the mummy and now the mummy's driven by lust so the her red dress. So the color red is used as a control function. And if you kind of pay attention to the movie red is very rarely employed other than when it's like hieroglyphics on the wall or on the, on the scroll. So it's, it's very much uh, an, a a trigger sort of for the evil in the film. And I'm sorry, like Alan Moore had to have seen this motherfucking
0: movie before he picked up the pen to start writing his run of Swamp Thing. He just had to have like this, this is Swamp Thing ah, yes. and Abby Arcane like yeah. to, to the core. But, you know, like to me, the mummy, like, OK, Frankenstein's monster is a mindless creature acting on impulse. Sure. Dracula in Horror of Dracula is a fucking parasite. Like, yes. That's just all he is. Right. Sure. He's not For he's me. not chasing. A after parasite. Yeah, yeah. He's a, a parasite paris. in this one. Everything that man has done, it doesn't matter that he was controlled by Mahatma Bay. Everything that that guy has done has all been to protect the honor and the life and the 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 memory of the woman that he loved. And as a result, I think and I didn't realize this. You know, again, this is a movie that I didn't really love for the longest time, even being a huge Hammer fan, but on this last rewatch, I think the mummy might be one of the most if not the most sympathetic creatures that the mummy played in the entire Hammer canon.
1: Yeah. No, he really is. Especially the last shot right before he's gunned down. It's it's a very emotional, sort of cathartic moment where he sort of lets her go, and he realizes like I'm doing this because I love her. So it's not really in my best interest to, to demand that she perishes with me. He acknowledges his own fate and allows her to walk away, and in that moment. He's sort of releasing the love that he's sort of carried with him since the very beginning.
0: Shit, Paul, you're gonna make me cry, uh, and I'm not even being incredibly disingenuous,
1: there, man. Well, when we actually talk about the movie we're watching, that's when things get real. <laughs>
0: I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, we've talked about relationships before, like during the course of this movie. And I think that's, that's true. At a certain point, the mummy just realizes that he has to let the girl go. Um, yeah. And, you know, but I'm very curious because here's the thing I'm familiar as much as I love hammer and I do love hammer. I'm familiar with the mummy I am not nearly as familiar. We're talking like maybe one viewing each. I'm not nearly as familiar with the sequels to the mummy. So oh, I am um,
1: fairly. very,
0: yeah, I'm very curious. I've to, watched uh, them
1: all once. Um, and the, the, you know, I, I really got to go. I bought that. Um, well, I didn't buy it. I got it as a gift. The, the like complete blu-ray set of all of the universal monster movies.
0: Yeah, yeah, like yeah.
1: The 30 whatever film set. And I really gotta go through them all because some of them I haven't seen, but I know I've seen like the first maybe three mummy movies. I don't think I saw the fourth one. Yeah,
0: I can't even keep track of them. It's like the mummy's hand, uh yes, the, the, the mummy's bit,
1: fucking yeah. foot, the mummy's uh <laughs> mummy's foot. You the know, foot it's the,
0: the mummy's uh, the mummy's man.
1: ghost is the one I didn't see. I think I saw The Mummy's... there's a movie called The Mummy's Ghost? The Mummy's Ghost, which is pretty... kind yeah. of a funny title, for sure. It's just called Ghost Mummy. Uh, ghost Mummy. Ghost... <laughs> <laughs> I read a movie once called Ghost Ghost, and it was about <laughs> a, ghost, a ghost that's defeated and, like, the ghost of the ghost kind of thing, and it was, that's like, the greatest God, idea. it's really dumb. Um, no. Anyway, uh, but yeah, like, Mummy's Ghost is a hilarious title. Uh. No, I haven't. I, I I'm not. I mean, the only one I'm fam, quote unquote familiar with would be the original because I've seen that one multiple times. But the sequels, yeah, I I mean, I'd have to rewatch them to really talk about them in depth.
0: Well, you know what? We're gonna get to that point at a certain point. Um, as it is right now, I'm starting to slur my words, and uh, I'm I'm kind of at Paul
1: how hammered are you with this episode of getting I'm, hammered hammered? I, you know i'm pretty i'm definitely drunk um i don't know are you as hammered as you aren't as hammered as you were the last no uh, i'm not I'm, but, you know uh, don't sound sick no I'm, I'm not uh, sick
0: but i'm I, I gotta tell you i'm i'm i i'm getting there i put away so, some uh, rummy I rummy think
1: rummy. we should do a post movie talk then Okay,
0: so here's the thing. I'm willing to do that, but you're gonna have to start us out because um, uh, I need to run to the restroom quickly. Uh, So I tell you what, and I've got because I still
1: have a full mug of this shit I made. I like, and I gotta drink it now.
0: So I've got
1: I've got half a glass,
0: and it's a sizable glass. So here's what we're gonna do. I've got 6% battery left on my laptop, and I'm not near a power source. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put myself on mute. I'm going to run to the restroom. I'm going to let you regale the audience with your feelings on Dexter or Christopher Nolan. Oh, I will shit, be back, really? and we're, we're going to finish Those are my two, like, options. I have to talk about Christopher Nolan or Dexter. No, not only that. I want you to imagine Christopher Nolan directing a Dexter movie. Ready? No. Three,
1: what? Dude, what? One. Go. Oh, like a sequel to the finale? Okay. All right, guys, here's the thing, okay? I, look, I know Christopher Nolan is a very good director, okay? He could direct a movie better than I ever could, so I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm better than him. And writers who wrote Dexter, look, I'm very impressed with what you accomplished. I think season one is great. I think season two has a lot of merit. I think season three is a step back. Season four is phenomenal, Season five is meddling. I didn't like season five. Season six, religious season, okay. Seven, eh, eight, no. Um, Let's say Nolan steps in, okay? Dexter is now Lumberjack, and Nolan is tasked with writing a movie and directing it. My hope would be it would be sort of him coming to terms with the reality of his dark passenger. So the show posited that his dark passenger was his stepfather. No, no, I'm sorry. That his dark passenger was some sort of villain, his brother, potentially based on the fact that he witnessed his mother brutally murdered and had to sit in the room with her for multiple days. My theory is that his dark passenger is his stepfather who taught him to cover up his sort of pain with murder that brought him sort of some sort of fucked up version of joy. Um, and he targeted that murder towards people who deserved it or that he thought deserved it. So a, a sort of vigilante justice, if you will. By the end of the series, I think it's pretty clear that Dexter could have been cured, could have been helped, could have been brought to a place where he didn't have to murder to be okay, had the proper support been given to him. Having said that, I would like... Oh, wonderful. Now I don't have to continue pitching my movie. (laughs) <laughs>
0: what, 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 what was your movie I had a
1: movie I was pitching because you was it?
0: forced was it on me Chris for Nolan directing Dexter it was
1: a sequel I, I'm to the start- finish,
0: like. holy shit I'm starting to slur man okay so I'm, here's the thing I'm at 4% battery on my laptop and I'm about 4% battery on uh, Jinx Functioning so I I will go as long as I can. But once I reach about 1%, I should probably save this conversation and we, we should call it a night. Yeah,
1: because yeah. yeah. I, I, I got to tell you. you I, thought, I, I don't want to make you stay up if you don't want to stay up. Uh, no, I, I, I,
0: I'd be willing to, but I, I got to tell you, like, I, I thought I was fine until I stood up and then I stood up and then I realized I was not fine. Uh, so well, have you, you know have you
1: stood up yet? I, I'm here for you. So so talk to me. What's up? What do you think? Uh,
0: no, uh I really like the mummy, uh, and which is the biggest surprise for me as a mummy fan or a shit as a Hammer fan, because as a Hammer fan, I always considered the mummy to be lesser Hammer. And now that I've rewatched it a couple of times, no, I'm going to go ahead and put it right up there. I think it's one of the better efforts that Terrence Fisher has as an outing as a director. I do think that it has some weaknesses. I think those weaknesses are at the scripting stage. But I think otherwise, the movie is, from a technical standpoint, like the directing, the performances, the production design, the lighting, the photography, all of that. I think the movie is firing on all fucking cylinders. I think the movie drags from time to time, which is no fault of the craftsman put in charge of bringing that story to the screen. Um so I'm I gotta tell you, I'm looking forward to watching some of the hammer mummy sequels. I really am.
1: That'll be really fun. And um I agree. I think I think this movie had more of an influence on slashers than the other movies even. Like, I think stylistically, this movie was a lot more in line with what we saw in the 80s. And also, like, what we were talking about with Italian horror, Giallo, I think this had some Giallo influences. Like, I I would be shocked if Mario, like, I wonder if Mario Bava saw this film and was like, oh, this is some really cool shit. Because a lot of what Bava would do in the mid '60s is really reflective of what we saw in the Mummy, and that's not the case with Curse of Frankenstein or Dracula.
0: No, I think you're right. I and it is, like, yeah. I mean, it's like a living EC comic before EC comics were a thing. You know, I'm. It's doing kind of the creep show thing with the lighting there before creep show ever had an EC comic to uh, to base shit on. So
1: yeah, yeah. Well, when was when was the first Amicus movie? The when, first when, Amicus when... movie
0: would have been well into the 60s, if not the 70s, in
1: fact. And that's my question, is I kind of think that this movie, more than anything else so far, influenced Amicus. Like, I agree, it... because even though it's set in 1898, there is almost... You know, when they have the present
0: day stuff, not the flashbacks, but the present day, like John Banning, all that stuff... i mean yeah it gets away with being set in 1898 but also it feels kind of contemporary and in that way it's fair yeah it feels like amicus it feels like tygon
1: you know it a hundred percent feels like an hour and a half version of what of a segment you might have seen in tales from the crypt or vault of horror Yes, like it, it easily could fit in either one of those movies no i agree I agree. Um, I Let me see. Amicus Productions.
0: I'm looking it up now. <laughs> Wikipedia. I should have done my research for this commentary. I, okay, the, the Portman 2 <laughs> horror films that they did started with 1965's Dr. Terror's House of Horrors, which is... that's a
1: Really good movie. movie. Cushing's in that, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, I, and Torture I, Garden, the, the House that Dripped Blood, Tales from the Crypt, the Asylum, Vault of
1: Horror, From Beyond the Grave. I love Amicus. Oh, I, Beyond the Grave is so good. Yeah. Warner Archive just put that out. Hey, I mean, you—we
0: you, could almost uh, do a drinking podcast on Amicus stuff. I would think. I'll tell
1: you what, Jinx. If we make it through every Hammer movie, <laughs>
0: let's go ahead and do the Amicus movies.
1: Let's do Amicus, and then if we make it through all of
0: those, and we haven't given ourselves cirrhosis, let's uh, move on to Tigan. Okay. All right. S N N. Alright, Paul. How how much uh, how much uh, rummy mummy are you staring at right now?
1: Half a half a glass.
0: Okay. okay i've got about a half a tumbler here i got two percent battery left What say we go ahead we finish this out oh, no okay and we, <laughs> yep let's let's just knock it back let's bolt it Ooh, down and then okay. let's give our final thoughts on the mummy and hammer this week and then we'll okay. uh, we'll call it a night I'm because really scared. at that point we'll, okay. we'll have no other option ready in three all right two one oh Oh. holy shit all right okay so the, the mummy what i've <laughs> what <Jeez>. i've learned <laughs> oh god <laughs> oh god my liver hates me right now what i've oh, learned no. <laughs> <Sorry>. is that <laughs> what i've learned is that the mummy was a far better movie than i give it a credit for uh, I have learned that you you are not a fan of the auteur theory. Uh, You're less <laughs> of a fan Christopher Nolan. And that we're all a fan of Christopher Lee, which frankly is enough for me to be good with this conversation.
1: Okay. Um, is, it, is it my turn? Yeah, is you, my turn? you go. I got 2% battery left.
0: Okay, got to wrap right, this shit right. up. About about i
1: I know you do. Okay, here's the thing. Christopher Nolan's a good director. I have no issues with that man. I'm <laughs> sure he's a very good person. I like a lot of what he's done. Uh, I just may not subscribe to the fact that Inception is as smart as some people think it is. You're going to get um, some of the one bros after you. I am such a, I don't want to sick the Inception bros on me. Um so I apologize for that comment. The Mummy, which is the movie I'm here to actually talk about is a, a, a great Hammer film. I really enjoyed it um i think it definitely ranks with some of the better terence fisher outputs which is a great compliment because i think he's a great director um i don't like it as much as dracula or curse of frankenstein so i okay, will paul, say that
0: paul i'm at one percent wrap okay, this up in shit. 10 seconds
1: uh otherwise i think it's really great thank you guys for listening and putting up with us where, where can where can folks find you at wait right, paul's great 2000 on twitter yay
0: Okay, and I'm at Jinx1981. Until next time, folks, thanks so much, and uh, drink responsibly. Have a great night.